0: We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as
1: that. We no longer live in a world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. Go on
2: without me. It's just...
1: A good soldier
2: never leaves a man behind.
1: Because I wouldn't give you two cents for all your fancy rules.
3: If behind them they didn't have a little bit of plain, ordinary, everyday kindness. Life, uh, finds a way. Welcome to Silver Screen Biases, where we dig into a critically acclaimed movie and evaluate the truth claims within it. I'm Nelson.
1: This is Jeff.
3: And this week we have with us... I'm Connor. Thank you for coming, Connor.
1: you
2: welcome.
3: Uh, so, for some some context, Connor and I go...
1: Connor-text?
3: Some Connor-text. Connor and I go way back. Uh, we are friends since high school, and we have Connor on to talk with us about a a very uh, sensitive topic that I'm very uh, passionate about. Connor is currently a... Well, tell us, what is your
2: role? So I am a sergeant in the U.S. Army. Um, I'm a combat medic stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina, at least for another month. And then I'm moving to Fort Carson, Colorado.
1: Colorado.
3: And uh, when Connor first decided to enlist, he and our third musketeer, Uh, avoided telling me until, like, the weekend before you left Did do that because they were scared that I would be upset.
1: Were you upset? Um,
3: Upset's not the right word for it. It's like, you know, I I think that what Connor does is an incredibly valuable thing, something that most people aren't willing or able to do, Mm -hmm. uh, and a thing that would exist even if there wasn't a government right there's always going to be private defense contractors and they're always going to want medics i just don't like who he does it for and for reasons that i think are very understandable connor is not going to to comment
2: i am not i have no comment on government issues current government (laughs) government issues that's right
3: all right and uh jeff what movie are we covering this week
1: we are we are reunited with Stanley Kubrick today. That's right. Uh, we are watching. We watched Full Metal Jacket, um, nineteen eighty
3: seven. First impressions.
1: Um, better than Clockwork well, I'm Orange. I want to
3: cut you off right there <laughs> because before we get into that, <laughs> uh, I, we just want to take a moment to thank uh, our. Uh,
2: what are you looking for a sponsor?
3: That's the one. Thank you, Connor. Our sponsor, Tunnel Twins. Uh, specifically, this week I want to, ha- to highlight their book, Golden Rule. Uh, I think it's a really great book that uh, has a lot to do with what we're going to be talking about today. In that book, in the Golden Rule, they learn uh, a valuable lesson. The way to peace is for blowback to cease. As the great Ron Paul said in his 2012 presidential uh, nomination run. Uh, they don't come over here because we wear blue jeans. Uh, they come over here because we're over there. Profound. Yeah. So check out Tuttle Twins in the link below. Uh, if you purchase anything uh, after clicking through that link, we will get a cut of that. It doesn't increase or decrease your price, but it tells us tells them that we sent you, and we appreciate your support in that way. Now, uh, Jeff, back to you. Tell us what was your first impression of this
1: movie. Um. So. I was hesitant going into it, knowing how, if you've listened to the previous episode, I'm not a fan of Clockwork Orange. Really? It's I mean, never come up. It's never, uh, yeah. Um, not, well, maybe it has. Um, but, so I was a little hesitant. I was like, okay, I didn't know what to expect. I knew it was military. I knew, like, it was a completely different, essentially, category of film. Like, it was, yeah. It was, yeah. So, like, I was open-minded about it. But, like, I ended up not hating it. Um, there were some parts in it, which we'll, we'll get into topic, talk about later, that was, was still, had that... St- iconic Stanley Kubrick darkness to it. Sure. Um, that I've seen, I wouldn't say a lot. I've seen for me a handful of military based movies and stuff and some that I enjoyed, some that I would go back and watch again. Others that I would be like, that was good. That was too much and ones enough. Like, so, so this one was one of those ones enough type of thing um, for mostly because of some of the darkness and some of those dark moments and just, um, and again, we'll, we'll get to that moment later. But, um, but overall, I liked it better than Clockwork Orange, and I it, it exceeded expectations just because of what I was going into. If that makes sense.
3: Sure. Yeah. Was this your first time seeing it? Absolutely, Connor. Was first this your time first seeing time it? seeing it? Absolutely
2: not. Oh. Uh, I've seen it probably two or three times before. Okay. Um, and I'm not sure why because I don't like this movie. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? I don't. Um, Do you I, like
3: Kubrick movies in general? No, no. I <laughs> okay. Think he's You're one the of the most podcast.
2: overrated directors. Like, I understand Hollywood's perspective on him, right? Mm -hmm. And that he revolutionized film and he pushed the boundaries and all this stuff. I just find his movies to be boring.
1: Okay. So you would describe this movie as boring?
2: After the first 45 minutes, yes. After boot camp. Mm -hmm.
1: Okay. I will say the first half of the movie was way more, I was way more in gripped. I don't know if that's the right word, but like it's I not, would, but I like it. Like I was the first half was way more intriguing and more interesting than the second half. I would agree with that.
2: I think it's because the the second half of the movie there's no objective. Right. Like in the first half they're trying to make it through boot camp, right? Mm-hmm. And you're seeing I mean we can get into this later if you want. No, but you're seeing go for it. them lose their indiv- individuality to become part of the machine. Yeah. yeah. And in the second part, it's just kind of all over the place. They don't have an objective. There's no real plot. It's just yeah. them moving all over the place
1: just patched moments of their yeah
3: do you think that maybe that in itself is a criticism of the the war of the like the futility of that war that it was an objective war
2: yeah i i think that's exactly what he was going for i just didn't find it entertaining
3: right yeah that's fair that's fair do you think that it's effective in communicating
0: that
2: i think to the layman no okay um I'm not the kind of person that likes to watch a movie and analyze it. Sure, maybe I'm a terrible guest for this podcast. <laughs> no, that's, um, I
3: mean you're about par for the course. Yeah. In fact, most of the hosts, <laughs> yes. I, I, of the two of us, one and a half of us don't really do that.
2: Yep. I like to watch Agreed. movies to be entertained. So if I have to sit there and actually work to try and understand what the director's trying to say, mm-hmm. sure, I am just checked out at that point.
3: So you prefer your movies like the the commercials in the invention of lying. Have you seen The Invention of Lying? No, nope. I don't even oh. know what that is. Um, is that the...
2: Oh, What is that?
3: Ricky Gervais did a yeah, movie him. called The Invention of Lying. Okay. He lives in a world where lying doesn't exist. Huh. And by some sheer happenstance, he's the first person to figure it out. Okay?
2: Okay. I'm intrigued. I have seen clips from
1: this on the Chinese spy
3: app
2: TikTok.
1: Oh, nice. does it? Does it kind of go in line with I'm, essentially... You're not allowed to have
2: that. I am allowed to have that. Are you? Yep. Sure. Most soldiers do have that. I I knew that
3: but like I know that not being allowed to doesn't really stop you. I just thought that you guys weren't allowed to have that.
1: Is it is it similar to like Yes Man with Jim Carrey? Like that whole like people living within one specific like rule? Like is is there similarities to that or There
3: there is some bleed over between okay. the two. Um but specifically the reason I I brought it up is because in the invention of lying there's an advertisement for Coca-Cola and it says, "Hi, I'm Tom from Coca-Cola." Uh, You know Coca-Cola. You love Coca-Cola. You've had a lot of Coca-Cola, and I'm here to ask you to please keep buying (laughs) Coca-Cola. And that—that's the commercial. And then later, a bus drives by with a Pepsi ad that says Pepsi when they don't have Coke. (laughs) (laughs) So I was joking. Connor prefers his movies like you've sold me on this movie. They just anything
1: pro Coke is good. Coca-Cola. Big
3: fan of Coke.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I I agree.
1: Yeah,
3: that's what keeps you going, huh? Yeah,
2: and it's out of your system in two days. A little bit Mm. of booger sugar.
1: Yeah. Wait a second.
3: (laughs) That's illegal. So you think that the movie is too too cryptic in its message? Yes. Okay. What are some of the uh, more cryptic messages in this movie that you think would get missed on a first pass through?
2: I think the biggest one is the loss of individuality. Mm. I think they show that really well in boot camp. And then then you get to the war itself. It's you're much subtler you're following Joker around, and he hasn't lost his individuality, which is why they call him Joker, right um but I think that that's the main theme of the movie, and I think that that goes over people's heads. I think most people look at this movie and they see it as a commentary on the duality of man, okay, and which think, they say flat out in the movie right <laughs> when when the colonel's yeah. asking Joker questions and he's commenting on why he has his peace button and born to kill on his helmet yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, But I don't think that that's what the movie's about.
3: You think that, that was a misdirect and that with that line, Kubrick's basically mocking the audience? Maybe a little. Or taunting the audience? Maybe a little.
1: Bait and switch type of thing.
3: We've gotten into the weeds a little early, and Jeff, I apologize. There's no need to apologize. important production information that we handle yes, up top, and, all right. and, and all I right. want to get to that.
1: All right, so... Uh, like I said, Full Metal Jacket. Oh, we'll be back
3: to that, Connor. Hold that thought.
1: 1987. This movie was filmed. Uh, it took it took over a year to film it, so it's probably started production around 1985 around there. Um, I found a statement that said that there was a person who got married, conceived a child, and had that child within the production of this movie, and so,
3: divorced that child. Well,
1: that it didn't go into that, but <laughs> but, um, but this this the production of this movie took. Time, um, but yeah, it came out in nineteen eighty seven. It a runtime of eighteen
3: months isn't a whole lot of time for a movie.
1: Well, I mean that fact makes it sound like it's long. Married, conceived. I mean, it could have been a shotgun wedding too. I don't know. Sure, it didn't say what character either. So, um, but hour and fifty six minutes is the runtime. It is rated R. Um, notable cast: the only cast that I recognize, and maybe you guys are familiar with any of the other ones, is Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, um, that's the only one that I recognized. Um,
2: Joker is Matthew Modine. He's yeah. the doctor in Stranger Things. He's Papa.
3: Is that who that is? That's who
2: that is.
1: The doctor in Stranger. So there's like three Oh my goodness.
3: There's three actors in this movie that have like made a name for themselves after the movie. Why? Vincent D'Onofrio's one. Yes. Um Alex Baldwin, who's not a Baldwin brother. Uh that's that's uh, Animal Mother. He's in Chuck. Adam, he's Adam in, Baldwin. He, he's in a Adam, bunch of stuff that I know you haven't seen, Jeff. Adam Baldwin.
2: Yeah, Adam Baldwin. No, Alec Baldwin.
1: No, it's Adam. It's Adam. I'm looking Adam. at it right now.
2: Alec Baldwin's the guy who doesn't have Alec Baldwin is one safety. of the Baldwin brothers, yeah. A-
1: Adam Baldwin is in this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Animal mother.
3: So Adam Baldwin is um, main cast in Firefly, which you haven't seen. I've not seen that. And in Chuck, which you haven't seen. I have not seen Chuck. Um, but that's what I know him from. But if you okay. pull him up on IMDb, that's not in his, like, this is what he's known for. Right.
2: And you said that Joker is Matthew That's Matthew Modine. Modine. He's Papa in Stranger Things.
3: Is Matthew Modine the actor's name?
2: Yes. Or Papa in Stranger Things. That's the actor's name.
1: That's fascinating.
3: And there's another breakout actor from this whose name I didn't recognize and none of none of the productions that he's associated with I recognized. It's
1: kind of vague. Yeah. One second, <laughs>
3: let me pull that up.
1: Cool fact Nels. <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, I'm really good at those guys. <laughs> Uh, what's the name of this movie? Full Metal Jacket. <laughs> oh, man. I'm in such a brain fog. I have such a brain fog. Head cold. I don't know if you've noticed, Connor, but in the last like three months of episodes, I'm coughing in the background constantly. I've edited out a ton of them, but like I can't get them all.
2: I hadn't noticed. I was actually just really distracted by your audio quality in that <laughs> the Doc Dixon prestige in the episode. Oh,
3: man. That... that uh, I I did everything I could to clean that up, and it, it was just it was so <laughs> so bad. Uh, Arliss Howard, Private Cowboy, had a prestigious career after this. I don't recognize the name. I don't really know the stuff he's been in. The and, other can person you call that
1: prestigious? Then?
3: I don't know, but a successful career. He was in Tequila Sunrise, Jurassic oh. Park, Lost World, Time Traveler's oh. Wife, Moneyball.
1: Oh, okay. So Mank. some, I've never some heard prominent of Mank. movies, just yeah. not prominent not a,
3: a well-known name and then um connor i know you know
2: some stuff on this
3: and jeff you may have seen it in your pre-show preparation
2: r lee ermy i was gonna ask if you guys had recognized him at all because Irm- he's he's I the one that not. i knew first yeah he used to do a show on history channel about historical weapons and i used to watch it as a kid
1: I'm looking him up right now.
2: Well, this movie was his first role. Right. He wasn't actually supposed to be an actor in it. He he, he was, this is the
1: drill sergeant, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was he was there to well sorry. I I oh, totally fine, interrupted. He he was supposed to be there to instruct the person acting as the drill instructor. And Kubrick was like, "No, you're in. Like, <laughs> you're doing. You do this way more natural because it's where he was. That's what he was."
2: And the guy who was yeah. supposed to be the drill instructor, well, he notice. got recast to be the guy in the helicopter that's shooting the civilians as they're flying in. Oh, that, oh.
1: that was one of the dark moments for me. That was really.
3: You think that's dark when when yeah, the guy's shooting that, down? That I, was, I, don't know. I yeah. disagree.
1: Okay, I'm, this Arlie <laughs> it was one of the most Remy.
3: lighthearted moments in the movie.
1: I watched this show. That's that's incredible. Yeah. What's the name such, of the show? Um, uh, it's. It's History Channel. Uh that's the channel. Shoot, what's the name of the show? I'm looking it up.
3: While you're talking about that, yes. while, while you're looking that up, yes. so Adam Baldwin's character in Firefly and Chuck are very similar characters. Okay. And very different from his character of Animal Mother. In Chuck and in Firefly, he is he he is the gun special the weapon specialist in both, right? So he's got the big weapons and stuff, like mm-hmm. he does in, in in this. But in this he's uh much more outspoken. Um in the other two he's much more the strong silent type. And so it was interesting for me seeing him in his first role being such a uh I thought he was a very likable character. A, a bit of a lunatic, but they all are in their own ways.
2: Yeah, I have a problem with that, but we can get into that later. Yeah,
3: I'd look forward to it. Yeah.
1: Um so Mail Call
3: Mail
2: Call. Right, okay. Uh
3: 2002
1: 2007. How is he, that spelled? He was the host M A I L so C-A-L-L. Nice. And then actually Lock and Load with R. Ermy. Um, TV series, 13 episodes. His name miniseries.
3: sounds like it's an anagram or a fictitious name. Yeah,
1: And then um, Kubrick Remembered, he was in a documentary about that. And then he had another show for 31 episodes called Gunny Time with R. Ermy. Um yeah, so he's a yeah, and I know I recognize him oh, wow. on the earlier one. Mail Call was the okay. one that I remember. That's, that's people the,
2: people would write in questions yep. about weapons from yep. t- throughout history, and he would go over the weapons and show them off and how they worked and what they were used for.
3: Was it scripted or is he just that good? I'm sure it, parts
2: of it. It
1: was, was direct. Yeah. I mean
3: <clears throat> I didn't rec I I didn't recognize him, but just now I pulled him up on IMDb and him as an old man I certainly recognize. Yeah.
2: He just passed away a couple years ago.
1: 2018, yep.
3: He was in 7, Mississippi Burning, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre, none of which I've seen.
2: Also, fun fact about him, when he was in the Marine Corps, he made it, I believe, a staff sergeant, and in the movie, he's a gunnery sergeant, Yeah, because that's the senior drill instructor. And Does that mean he was promoted? Well, the Marine Corps actually promoted him after he got out because of his role in this movie. They said he did such a good job being a gunnery sergeant in this movie, that they promoted him after he retired.
3: I find that shocking. What And, you know, what did and I'll have, get into
2: why later,
3: but I'm going to remember. What did I'm they, they have
1: to gain by giving him a promotion post-employment or commitment to that role? I don't think they gained anything. Okay, I think more it was like just an honorary a symbolic thing PR for him, thing. Okay, which okay, is why after you.
2: this movie, everybody just called him Gunny. That was his, oh, his nickname okay. until he died.
1: There you go. Interesting. That's fascinating. I'm glad you guys... Re- i i would never have known like i would not have that that's fun um 8.3 out of 10 on the imdb um ratings as of recording this this is 105 on the top 250 um and the last facts here i got for you is on the rotten tomatoes 91 tomato meter 94 audience
3: i think those are all i think it's worth all those scores
1: i i agree i agree
3: i know connor
2: you disagree i don't necessarily disagree
3: Okay, so you, so you think it's a good movie, you just don't care for it. It's not your yeah. preference. Okay, that's okay. fair.
1: So that's all the facts I've got. Well, and you've got the budget. Notes. That's what, right. What was the, Belgi- the budget? So uh,
3: estimated budget, you're, if you look it up, you're going to see two numbers, $17 million and $30 million. Uh, The discrepancy there is that typically the, um, the publicity, no, not publicity. Uh, publicity. Publicity budget. Mm. Thank you. Man, that's why I keep you around, Jeff. That's you funny. looked at me. I'm not sure why. <laughs> I know. I should have looked at Jeff. Uh, the publicity budget is typically twice the budget of the production budget. Mm-hmm. So uh, $30 million is how much this movie costs for production and publicity. In uh, today's uh, money, that's $77 uh, million or 77.3 dollars 3 ish Cumulative rate of inflation since 1987,
1: 157%. So there you go. And then the last thing we do before we get into the meat and bones of this is we ask our guest couple questions uh so connor we have three questions just some light, light yeah. questions mm, super just chill. yeah so the first one is what is your political bias and this could be you could this could be broad vague short long take as much time as you want but what is your political bias
2: so i know nelson is an anarcho-capitalist mm-hmm. uh i would say that i am more centrist libertarian with a small l um i believe that government does have a role to play mm-hmm. but they should be small that they should leave people to be to have their own freedoms and their own mm-hmm. lives and and stay out of them but that government does have a key role to play in like foreign policy and i believe defense he doesn't i know that mm-hmm. um so i would say that that's kind of my political cool. Cool. political leanings
3: is that a position you came to largely before or after your experience in the military
2: mostly before
3: okay is that a political stance that you think is somewhat common in the military
2: yeah uh i would say it's either that or leaning toward conservative there's okay. not a whole lot of i mean there are some liberal dressed as dogs and stuff oh yeah all the time we is actually have our own separate dog bathroom
3: is
1: there a lot of furries in the military
3: there was at least one and he was discharged <laughs> After he was discharged. You don't from that. Uh,
2: Actually, if you identify as a dog in the military, they send you to um to canine. Out mines. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get assigned a handler. <laughs> it's the fastest way to get a promotion. Fun fact about the, the the military, the dogs are one rank higher than their handlers, so that it is a crime to abuse the dog.
0: Wow.
3: See to me, um, it would seem much more sensible to just say we have a rule that you don't abuse the dogs rather than to promote the dogs. But I mean, like, I guess it has its own internal logic. There are a lot
2: of rules in the military that get broken on a daily basis, let me tell you. Hmm. Are you saying that everybody's abusing dogs? No, I don't think anybody's abusing dogs.
1: There's our next
3: podcast. Dog abuse in the military, an investigation.
2: (laughs) We do safety briefs every Friday that specifically say, don't beat your dog, so.
3: So if we have to have it every Friday, it must
2: be happening a lot. (laughs) There's a lot of things that they say in those safety briefs every Friday
1: okay say um was that it for the political topic okay the second question is who'd you vote for (laughs) (laughs) the last 30 ballots what was your yeah um what's your religious bias what's uh where are you at currently when it comes to a religious perspective
2: so for religion i grew up going to church every sunday Mm -hmm. um currently i haven't been to church in a long time okay um and it's not necessarily that I don't believe in something, mm-hmm. but I I'm definitely not like a practicing Christian or anything like that. I've got okay. certain things that I have I have issues with with organized religion. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And it, applies, it applies to Christianity, Islam, all kinds yeah. of things. Um, How we do you actually, feel
3: about unorganized religion? <laughs> yeah. I'm for it. Yeah. Okay. So your paganism but against... Chaotic
2: catharsis. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> okay. okay. Uh, we get into theological discussions, actually, all the time at work.
3: I, I can imagine. I believe it, yeah. yeah.
2: A job that...
1: And when you say work, you mean your military position, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. I didn't know if you had another job, like if you work off... I don't know much about the military. I'm, I'm coming in pretty much blind. For, for me, for me work, uh, <laughs> work is
2: 6.30 in the morning, I have to be there for PT. Okay. You get an hour and a half break after that for breakfast and to do hygiene and then you have to be at work at 9:30. Okay. I'm you at work have... usually from 9:30 until anywhere from 3:30. I was going to mm-hmm. say 15:30 but I don't want to confuse people. Uh 3:30 to 5. Okay. And then I'm home for the day. Right on. And I don't think about work. I try not to think about work until I have to be back the next day. So So
1: you're just okay. one of us. Yep. And then weekends
2: <laughs> weekends are off. Really? Right Federal holidays we normally get 4-day weekends which is pretty great. That's cool. So
1: Okay,
3: um, so if uh, if you're a foreign nation intending to attack, aim for a weekend. About yeah, yeah. five thirty on a Friday, and you'll have three days.
2: Maybe maybe we should cut this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and This was our last episode of Silver Screen Bias. Okay, so yeah, um, I have some issues with structured religion. Um, any anything else that you would say it's kind of that that's brought you to where you're at now with your perspective on,
2: or 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 pulled you away from? Yeah, church. correct, yeah. correct, yeah, yeah. yeah things that have pulled me away from church? Um
3: or brought you closer to it or yeah. or, or wherever what, what what's what's brought you to the position you have today? Like I understand that you have issues with organized religion and that's a pretty that's a somewhat common um criticism. In fact, it's a criticism that uh Jeff and I also share.
1: Yes, absolutely. 100%. Um,
2: so, <laughs> yes.
3: Yeah, just, you know, uh, if you don't mind, further further refine and define your position.
2: Well, I, I would say that I don't have probably, well, definitely as good of an education on specifically Christianity as you two do. Okay. Um, just, you know, I haven't been to church in a long time. Um, but for me, I grew up in, uh, my parents are divorced, so I grew up spending time with both of them. And my dad is very conservative- go to church kind of guy. My mom is very liberal, not go to church. Um, So I got both sides of it. And parts of it that I just didn't fully accept were when I went to church, there were a lot of things that I saw as picking and choosing from like the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And again, I can only speak on like Christianity and I can't speak on other religions, but specifically for that, there were things that they would pick and choose from the Old Testament that I was like, why are we talking about this when you're saying that the New Testament is the definitive word of God because Jesus is here now and all this stuff? Um, but then there's one specific thing, aspect of secularism that you don't agree with. So you're going to pick that from the Old Testament and just things like that that I didn't agree with.
3: For sure.
1: Yeah. No, it's-
3: um, as, as a long time practicing Christian, I 100% agree.
1: Long time practicer, first time caller, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm
2: yeah. actually a long time caller, first time listener.
3: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys never pick up. Uh no, I, I I think that any honest Christian looks at the church and says, There's a whole lot that we're not getting right. Yeah. And if they don't see that, I, I don't I don't think that they're they're looking critically.
1: Yeah.
3: So but no, I, pre- I appreciate. that. Yeah, thank all you for right.
1: sharing that. Yeah. Um, any anything else before we go on to the last question? No, go for it. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, our last question for you here before we 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 deep dive here. Um, what, what's what's your favorite movie or favorite couple of movies that we can kind of get an idea of? Like, when you watch movies, where do you like to? Yeah. See, if you, not, you were gonna
3: take a girl <laughs> on a date, <laughs> okay, to that, watch that, a movie that could be a different. Straight oh, out of Compton. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he would. I mean, if it's not that, I mean, are you
2: even are you even a man? Uh, that's that's a tough question, honestly. I I like watching movies, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I have a definitive favorite.
1: Okay, do you have, do you have a specific genre that you lean towards or category and genre? The same. I'm thing trying like? to
3: think back to high school and think if there's anything specific. Ross was way more of a let's watch X than than you or yeah. I were.
2: I mean, see, I don't. There's not even like a movie that I watch every year because okay. it's my favorite. I would say like miniseries. Oh, yeah, I watch. Yeah band of brothers every year yes um so on brand for somebody in the military it is especially people someone that works with paratroopers and it's a show about paratroopers
3: do you watch when you watch movies how often is it a war movie
2: not often after joining not often before joining um it was probably one of my favorite genres yeah i remember that much now i watch those movies and i see all the mistakes that they make Mm. and i'm I just I, It takes me out of it completely.
3: Yeah. I'm pretty sure I watched Black Hawk Down with you like five times in high school.
2: Maybe.
1: I went to church with someone. Was that
2: before or after we cuddled in your oh, pull-out couch upstairs? Classic. Might have even been during.
1: <laughs> I, I got to meet someone from the Black Hawk Down. Um, he was a local guy um, from Wayne County area that really? ended up going to my church. I can't remember his name, but I remember when that movie came out that someone had made a connection. He was like, yeah, he was. he was on that I don't know if platoon or i don't know the right terms but he was in that group that that story was about so so yeah
2: um I, i'm actually i'm really into horror movies okay um yeah. now i didn't used to be but i am now uh especially satirical horror
1: okay give us an example
2: one of my favorite movies all right like scary this movie is, or hmm? like scary movie no a little less satirical than that um a movie that Something like Cabin in the Woods kind of satirical horror. That's a a great satire Um, horror movie. But my favorite satirical horror movie is Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Never heard of that.
2: Love that movie.
3: (laughs) All right. Elevator pitch. Yes. Two backwoods men. Okay. Very good friends. Love it. Uh, A group of college students going up to the mountains for spring break. Okay. By, from their perspective, from the college students' perspective, Tucker and Dale are trying to murder all of them. Okay. But every single one of these murders is actually a mishap on the stu- like on the college <laughs> students and Tucker and Dale are actually trying to prevent them from <laughs> killing themselves. <laughs> that's the elevator pitch. I'd it's wa- great. I'd watch that. And even though that, that's a spoiler of the entire plot of the movie, like it's still 100% worth a watch. Is
1: this modern or has this been out for a while?
3: Yeah. It's probably been out for what? Like, Ten fifteen years. Oh, okay, yeah, okay. Alan Tudyk is one of the main characters. Oh, in it. okay, yeah. And Alan Tudick, of course, had his big break in Firefly, just like Alan. Uh, I'll take your word what, for it. What's his name? Adam Baldwin. Baldwin. Adam Baldwin.
1: Right on. Well, awesome. Um, is there? And you, you've listened to our podcast before. Is there any episodes that you've um, you've listened to that you have any notes on or any thoughts about? Like strong agreement,
3: or? disagreement, yeah. additional I, uh, I, I think any, opinions.
2: Any. I would say that for the most part, other than your political views um and i do i agree with some of them but right you're just further on the spectrum than i am <laughs> the um, autism spectrum. Than <laughs> yeah you got a 19 yeah. from what i hear
1: <laughs> it's public domain right now at this point
2: um but i don't i don't necessarily disagree with a lot of the things that you guys say um favorite episodes
1: Not favorite no, 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 was no. there any that stood like, out uh, so
3: for example i know because we talked about it before jeff and i recorded you and i had a long phone call and in it, we talked about um, Into the Wild.
2: Mm. Oh yeah, Into yes. the, okay. But, well, cause that's your favorite movie so far. So far, far, so far.
1: Yeah. within the category of the top two hundred and fifty, that's my favorite one so far, and still is.
2: And that's that's a be. movie that I remember watching with you multiple times, Nelson, in yeah. high school. Yeah. Um, and it's a movie that I very much enjoyed when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. and because I I love the r- romanticism of yeah. being a nomad and going out and kind of being free and finding your own way and all this stuff. And now I watch it, and I just see a selfish idiot right. who <laughs> makes terrible decisions and ends up dead in Alaska. Yeah. yeah. So
3: I remember watching it with my dad once. I got him to sit down and watch it with me when I was still in high school. And that was his takeaway at the end of it. And I was like, "How? how is that your takeaway? You missed so much. And now I come back to it as an adult. I'm like, no, dad, you're totally right. <laughs> Absolutely.
2: <laughs> but I still love it. But... Again, that's, that's perspective, right? Yeah. Back then, it didn't feel like we had people that relied on us. Mm-hmm. Now we do. Right. So, Like for you, the entire nation of America. That's right. All, All 330 million of them are looking to me yeah. for guidance.
3: On their gunshot wounds. <laughs> <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> Call right. me flabbergasted. Any other
3: movies that we've covered already that, that you had a, a thought on?
2: I don't know. I'd, I'd have to think about it honestly. I know with
3: Groundhog Day, you disagree with us and uh,
2: you, me specifically. I disagree with you that it's not a good movie. I don't. So I, that you wouldn't. You said you wouldn't put it in your top two. Yeah,
3: I. I want to clarify because maybe I, I. I misspoke. I like Groundhog Day. I think it's a good movie. I think though that if you're an adult and you haven't already seen it, there's so many comedies out that like it's going to feel reductive. Only because they're paying homage to it.
1: I got you. All right, so let's get into this movie. Um, Yes, let's. uh, So this movie is essentially has two acts. The first act we are following...
3: And that's bizarre in itself, that it's two and not three.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's usually... Well, you've got the... I was about to quote the prestige, but I forgot the the lines. third act which is called the prestige anyways um <laughs> is not in this movie. is not in this movie yeah you're like so the first half is you know you're following this group of individuals ragtag yeah um <laughs> and you're following them and watching them come together as in become as you said earlier part of the machine and then the second half is watching that machine go to work um so before we get into some of these specific biases as someone who's in the military um currently active and first of all thank you like Thank you for your service. Oh, please, I, uh,
2: please don't do this. Okay,
1: okay. Well,
3: <laughs> Thank you for your service. Thank you for
1: your service. Um, <laughs> I genuinely... Okay, we, we can bypass it. But I, 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 I do appreciate I'm it. Grateful. I'm grateful.
2: Yeah. I
3: don't think I've ever I'm once grateful. thanked Connor for his service, and I'm going to continue that trend. Well, I used to work that's at what chi- happens when you're born in Canada.
1: I used to work at Chipotle. <laughs> I used to work at Chipotle, and I'd get in trouble because I would comp every military person that would come in, and I wasn't allowed because I'd always go through all of our daily comps. (laughs) I would end up spending more of this, the store's money because I was like, no So, so yeah, but I just, I'm grateful. So anyways, moving on, not to get all mushy over here. Um, But um, as someone from the military and currently active in the military, what are some things that, and not specifically storylines or themes, but what's something that initially about this movie that just sticks out to you? That's either good or bad or like, um,
3: let's, let's go with one. What's one thing in this movie that you are like, totally inaccurate. I hate it. I can't get past it. I like
1: it. Yeah
2: totally inaccurate i was just about to talk about all the things that i thought were accurate actually i know
3: i i figured you would is, so i wanted it, to put you on the back was what, there this?
1: more accuracy
2: absolutely like okay, cool, at okay. least in the, awesome. the boot camp part okay absolutely if you want to talk about things that were totally inaccurate um it's the way that all of the marines act when they're in vietnam okay it's it's their complete loss of humanity and and just that they're these killing machines, they all have nicknames, that, like none of them are individuals. Yeah. Um that was a part that I really had a strong issue with.
3: Now, Connor, and this is gonna sound to the folks at home like I don't know my own friend. Have you seen
2: active duty? I am active duty. If you're talking about if I've seen combat Deploy- yeah, sorry. deployment.
1: Um, is that, is that, I don't know those what, yeah, what's the definition? Like would would deployment mean over, like what's
2: so a deployment is anything that takes you away from your home station.
1: Okay.
2: So there's there's okay. CONUS deployments, which is continental United States. Okay. Um and there's okay. OCONUS deployments. There are people OCONUS is is outside the United States. Sure. Um and there are people that are in the military the that United will tell States,
3: you as a foreigner. Does that include Alaska and Hawaii?
2: It does. Okay. Um but there are people that will tell you that anything that isn't Direct action combat in a war zone is not technically a deployment. Okay. Like, people deploy to Kuwait all the time just for training or security reasons, Mm -hmm. whatever. They'll tell you that that's not a deployment. But you're still away from your family for six months, so I would consider a deployment. It's just not a combat deployment.
1: Okay. I see that. I see that.
3: You were present in Afghanistan for the withdrawal, correct?
2: I was not in Afghanistan. Okay. I was part of—you can keep this in, by the way. Okay. I was part of the mission for withdrawing um all of our troops from Afghanistan. Okay. Wow. So I was not at Fort Bragg, I was sent someplace else. Um I won't get into details about that. The moon. But yeah, we were on the moon. Um we were just putting the flag back up and fell down.
3: Space Force.
2: No, we uh we got sent somewhere else to help with or facilitate Soldiers getting out of mm. the country to go to Afghanistan. We were going through all of their medical supplies, making sure that they had everything that they needed, um, putting things in shipping containers that were missing that we stole from the Air Force. Sorry, Air Force. Um, but we needed them for the mission. So I was part of that. I was actually supposed to go to Afghanistan. And then President Biden stopped all troops from leaving uh, past a certain date, and the date that I was supposed to go was one day after. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So I didn't end up going to Afghanistan, but I was supposed to be there for it. But I've got a lot of friends that were there um, at Kaya, the airport.
3: Now, I know uh, for occupational reasons, you can't weigh in on your opinion on these things. I, I just want the details. President, you just want the details?
1: <laughs> yeah, ju- just
3: the specific...
1: It, anything like, that can be redacted.
3: Right. Yeah. My understanding is that biden committed to plans established by the previous administration donald trump is that correct
2: that is correct so So they they, even
3: though it was scheduled withdrawal you were still scheduled deployment for the day after the scheduled withdrawal or did they change the date of withdrawal so
2: the the scheduled withdrawal was a hard date okay this was before that date and it was just to send you okay there that whiskey's so smooth.
0: <laughs> 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 uh, oh,
3: put hair on your chest. Okay, continue, please.
2: The scheduled withdrawal was a hard date. This was a day that came before that hard date that the president said, we're not sending anybody else. Okay. So the hard date was to get everybody out of Afghanistan. This gotcha. was a day where he said nobody else is going over to Afghanistan. No new
3: no new arrivals. Yeah. Gotcha. That's okay. correct. All right.
1: All right, so one one thing in the movie that you saw that was inaccurate.
2: It's just the way that the the soldiers or the oh. marines, I guess I should say sorry, okay. sorry to any marines out there, I didn't mean to insult you. Um, the way that the marines act while they're okay. over there, uh, it's just right. it, it feels more like a, a caricature of mm-hmm. real military members. That's fair.
3: Now, probably. do you as some in, in I mean, but maybe, you've not you've not yourself seen combat?
2: No, that's right. But I, I have plenty of friends that have, that and have, I've heard plenty of stories. Um, we do a lot of training, we see a lot of videos. I mean, I've been spun up for deployments about 10 times and just every single time for whatever reason for whatever reason they get canceled. I so. do
3: pray a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I pray a lot that my my boy Connor doesn't
2: well, not that
3: you don't see combat, but that you are safe.
2: I'm uh, I'm heading to an infantry division that's supposed to deploy to Iraq soon, so start praying harder.
1: Do you have to go through is this part of your like do you go through like military history or like do you have to do you know much about the Vietnam War? I guess is what I'm kind of leading into like are you familiar with past excursions or um military
2: do do you mean personally or like well, while you're in the military do acad- they oh,
3: actually I'm curious acad- do, academically. how much how much military like, history does the military teach you? Yeah.
2: Not a lot actually. Okay. Um so when you're in basic training there are at least for the army there are some classes that you do where they teach you some of that army history specifically. If sure. Not big military, but usually it's restricted to just the army. Um, But it's not a lot because there's a lot more hands-on training that you have to do, Mm -hmm. so they don't focus on that. That makes sense. (laughs) Uh, um, Personally, I would say that I am more familiar with like World War II history uh, over Vietnam, World War II, and Cold War history just Mm -hmm. because I have family members that were directly involved in those conflicts.
3: Adolf Hitler, for example.
2: That's right. He was my grandfather. Um, (laughs) Yeah. You can
1: write that down, folks. He's the
2: reason why my arm just won't go down. <laughs> <laughs> it's just stuck. he's the reason I have this silly walk I do.
3: <laughs>
1: lock the knees, lock the knees.
2: To be clear, Adolf Hitler was not my grandfather. <laughs> my grandfather fought Snopes, against Adolf Hitler.
1: Snopes would have would have figured in a out.
3: one-on-one boxing match.
2: Um, so I, I would say that Cold War and World War Two are okay. more more things that I'm familiar with, and then. Obviously, the war in Afghanistan, just because when I joined the military, we were still at war in Afghanistan. Okay. Um, With or in? In. Okay. Okay. We were never at war with Afghanistan. We were just at war in Afghanistan. Yeah. It's a distinction. I know you think it's a distinction without a difference, but it's a distinction.
1: You you guys should see Nelson's grin. (laughs) Nelson's having the time of his
2: life right now. Um, So, Vietnam and... Korea are things that I'm not super familiar with, just okay. things that I've learned in school mm. so
1: okay cool so so I, I the reason I was asking that is like was there stuff going in and you said you've seen this movie multiple more than once Is there things in this movie that you've you you would see as accurate or inaccurate when it comes to depictions of Vietnam, like specifically the vietnam from your experience like, not necessarily in vietnam. the country <laughs> it's not necessarily the country of Vietnam, but just i I'm, I guess i'm
2: all that time I spent in Southeast Asia.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm loosely making an assumption, I just, or I was just making a, an observation, of like, do you know anything about the Vietnam War, just being that you're affiliated with? Me? Yeah, actually,
3: it was a police action.
2: So I, I will say that the withdrawal of Afghanistan was very much compared to the way that the Vietnam War ended. Compared the fall of or Saigon. comparable? Compared, like in the military, we compared it okay. to okay. the fall of Saigon. Like, so much so that we called it the fall of Kabul.
3: Oh wow, okay,
2: But as far as like the rest of the vietnam war i don't I don't know a whole lot if I'm honest. I'm a little ignorant on the subject
1: no, that's, that's okay i just I was just curious where, where i i it's not often I talk to people who have who were in the military, so I'm just it's more just out of curiosity and just like I'm authentically intrigued about just like what you guys go through, especially after watching a movie like this like this movie, and I've seen other military movies, but there's just there's things in every movie that that captures different aspects of it and just this one I'm like there's just things I'm like, man, is that really how it is? Like, I mean, just, if you if intense. you want to talk
2: about technical things, technical mm-hmm. aspects of this movie that they just nailed for the yeah. military, we I I got that all day. Okay, but as far as the war itself, I'm um, just not a, a Vietnam War expert. Okay.
0: No,
1: no, that's, fair. that's that's fair. Yeah.
2: Now, one thing that you hinted at, and I'm curious about because it
3: defies some of the narrative I've seen. This movie, according to people that fought in Vietnam, nails the boot camp experience Mm -hmm. and you and i've seen narrative saying boot camp is very different now but you said that a lot of that field felt very authentic how true to the the at least your boot camp experience is the boot camp experience depicted in full metal jacket
2: so i will say that the marine corps is different than the army of course um and there's it checks out seems to be a little more intense. At least in spelling. <laughs> yeah. There seems to be a little more intense. I will never say that the Marine Corps is better than the Army. Um, I don't care what my brother, who is a former Marine, says. Mm-hmm. Um, Not a brother in arm, literal brother. My literal brother, <laughs> who actually doesn't have much love for the Marine Corps because they did a lot of things that he wasn't happy with. Yeah. But I digress. Um, as far as... The technical things in in the boot camp scenes, yeah um, it was extremely accurate and close to what I experienced, other than like the the first introduction that you get to Arlie Ermy's drill instructor mm-hmm. where he's causing Gomer Pyle to choke himself on his hand and he's hitting people and stuff like that yeah. that wouldn't fly today, okay, but the things that he's saying to them. Absolutely, the stuff that I experienced
1: was was that depiction accurate to then? Oh, like, 100%, like, oh, for sure. Oh, okay. For so, sure. so, so, so there's, there's not there's there's very little, if any, of embellishment to the timepiece of this. Yeah, if, okay.
3: if if you look into authenticity of this movie, okay,
1: they uh, were that physical hands-on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's okay. something that I, I, I'm they still talk do that, that later. today. Okay. a
2: little bit. Um, but there's, well, I, I can't say today because it's been. You know, almost five years since I went to basic training and it has changed a lot since I went. But as far as like choking and slapping and hitting and all that stuff, they can't do that anymore. Mm. Um,
3: That doesn't mean necessarily that it doesn't happen. it, It
2: happened. I saw aspects of it happen. Yeah. Just not to that extent. Sure. Okay. But like the the things that they said, the things that he was saying to them, all the, the racist things, all the, the swearing and the, the belittling the, the them. The
1: sexual stuff. So
2: about- that stuff that I it's, saw for sure. Okay.
3: One question I have specifically, because c- he makes full eye contact with a black man when he says there is no racial bigotry here. And then lists serious racial slurs, right. including a specific uh, word that begins with an N that I will never repeat. Mm-hmm.
1: Preach.
3: Have you heard that in the military? No. Okay. Because for whatever reason, and there's there are a lot of good reasons. That specific word is at a different category than most other racial slurs. And you you commented that you heard a bunch of racist stuff in the military. Not not a bunch. Let me clarify. It's what, not that I've, I've heard a, a direct bunch. quote. They only ever <laughs> said racist
2: things. I don't remember saying. So it's just to be stricken from the record. Roll back the tape. Um, so. Again, for I can only speak on the army, but for the army, there is a an equal opportunity program, right? That we have to do. It's an annual training that we have to do. We have to do that, and sexual harassment mm-hmm. and assault every year, okay? Um, and that specifically goes over things like that, and it it is one hundred percent not tolerated for sure. If any of that happens, you can report that person, and they will get in trouble for that. Gotcha. But it does happen. It does happen. There's th- there's incidences where it's not reported now
3: and this is something that's in the movie that I think Kubrick put in very intentionally is despite this strong racial uh, conversation that even happens in Vietnam. You see with Adam Baldwin's character uh, with the the second prostitute that we meet, uh, he says all N words hang, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But then very clearly is very emotionally distraught when eight ball is shot. Mm -hmm. So, Obviously, Kubrick is pointing out, and I think that for a modern audience, it, it's um, unrecognizable that despite this racially charged conversation, there was a very strong brotherhood and accepti- acceptance. Now, when you say that you've heard racist stuff from drill sergeants... Is not, it- not necessarily drill sergeants. <clears throat> okay. In boot camp, I want to... I I want to quote you as, as, as closely as possible here. You you you, you experienced uh, racially charged uh, comments in boot camp. Was there that same context of this is more of a brotherly hazing?
1: A gym, gym locker room talk.
2: Not in boot camp, or we call it basic training. So not, Sorry. They, they call it boot camp in the Marine Corps, so you're fine. Oh, okay. Um, okay. But not necessarily in basic training like that, because you're, you're thrown together with these group of people that you've never met before and you're only with them for 10 weeks and then you're all going to go your separate ways. Uh, that sense of brotherhood is really only felt when you're with your unit. Once you get there, once you get through all your training, then you develop this friendship and this sense of brotherhood where you were willing to die for the person next to you. And and you'll say things to them. Uh, there's a lot of dark humor of in, course. in the military. Yeah, yeah. Just the nature of the job. Yeah. Same thing um, with
3: medics, right? Like, like paramedics in the, in a, in a, a medical field, civilian, civilian context. Paramedics also have dark humor. Mm-hmm.
2: So there's, there's a lot of dark humor just because of the nature of the job. And so things will get said and you, you learn very quickly to develop a thick skin and that none of that actually really applies that they're, they they do not actually mean what they're saying. Right. Um, it's just mostly a joke. Sure. Um, for instance, in the movie, ball busting. Yeah, in the movie, animal. That's not the first time that Animal Mother does that. Oh, really? Um, when you first meet Animal Mother, when Joker gets to that squad and he's talking to Animal Mother, and they're they're going back and forth, and then Eight Ball comes up and kind of breaks them up, and then they go to sit back down. Animal Mother says to Eight Ball something about being a jungle bunny, and then says, oh, that's thank, right? Thank God for that sickle cell."
1: <laughs> I don't wow, get. I miss that. What's sickle cell. Sickle cell anemia. Sickle cell anemia. It's, it's a, a disease a that's common in African-Americans. in African-Americans. Yeah. Oh,
3: good Lord. Yeah.
2: And then 8-Ball just kind of hits him on the chest and he says, yep, you got it, animal. Like, it's just the ball busting that they do.
3: Um, wow. For full context of our listeners. Connor text. Um, yeah, thank you. Sorry. Connor, um, I know from discussion, but also just from looking at you, you're very Irish. <laughs> yes, I am. How much ball busting do you get over being Irish? None. Really? Actually. How much ball busting do you get over being white?
2: Not much, hmm. really.
3: I feel like there's a big missed opportunity. Um, <laughs> if any of Connor's <laughs> friends are listening, uh, please, on my behalf, make fun of him about the potato famine, something, anything.
1: Uh, so what are, what are some things that um, we, we talked about? Um, duality yeah um, um, what, whats was on this next level or next item that that kind of came up in this movie that was a, kind of an overarching theme?
2: Well, I, th- I think it starts off with the overarching theme of the movie. Okay the, the opening scene is when they're getting their haircuts. Yes, which by the way, worst haircut you will ever get in your life. when you're at boot camp or basic training and those guys are just shaving your heads. You can actually see it on these actors because I believe Kubrick didn't tell them that they were going through that when uh... they first got there. Um, it's extremely uncomfortable. They are not gentle with your head at all. They're digging those clippers into your scalp really And then on top of all of it, you have to pay for it at the end. It's seven bucks every time. That
1: doesn't stop. <laughs> It doesn't surprise me.
2: And you get four of them. Where
3: does that $7 go? Who gets that? The
2: they, they give you a little card I when mean, you like,
3: first get there, and you right, have to swipe it. So much of the military wasted spending is taxpayer dollar. Can we not afford to pay for haircuts? Nope, we can't. It's <laughs> Just not in the military
2: budget. It'll be on so the next ballot. It's the worst haircut you'll ever have in your life.
1: Okay, so I, I'm looking at you right now, Connor. Sorry, I'm staring at you. Your hair is not that length anymore. Is there a point... And, and again, I'm just dumb. Is there a point which... After basic that you can have different lengths of hair now? Like, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's just for basic that it has to be... It's
2: only basic training or okay. boot camp. Okay. Um You get that haircut. And again, like I said, the overarching theme for me yeah. is the loss of individuality and the right. loss of innocence. Okay. And you start off with that scene where they're getting their haircuts and they're all exactly the same. You yeah. get that buzz cut. And the at least for the army, they told us that the reason why everybody gets their head shaved is one, hygiene... To make sure, you know, no lice. lice and things yeah. like that aren't getting in because you're spending 10 weeks living in the same room as a bunch of other guys. Right. Uh, but it's also making sure that you have no individuality at that point. You're wearing the same uniform. Do they tell you that? You have Yeah. You're wearing the same uniform. You have the same haircut. You're all the same. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what color you are. doesn't matter what sexual orientation you are, what creed you come from. What gender. What I think the overarching theme of the movie starts at the beginning.
3: Okay.
1: I love that. Yeah.
3: Um. Now, Connor, if you choose not to comment on this, I understand um for me what i saw there is um step one of a brainwashing um we haven't covered this movie yet jeff but we will eventually viva vendetta
1: that's right it's on Yeah, um when they there'll probably be one this year we'll probably get to that this year i assume
3: that'd be great i love that movie um there's a scene where she where where uh natalie portman's character is imprisoned and they shave her head then Mm -hmm. uh and Same thing with the uh, Nazi internment camps and actually for the exact same reasons, uh, hygiene and individuality. Um, So for me, what I see there is step one of our brainwashing. We're going to deprogram you from yourself and program you to be a killing machine. And this is something that I point out a lot to my friends before they enlist. If they tell me that they're going to enlist, this is something I say to them. Yes, you aren't. Like, yes, murder is premeditated, right? And that's a difference between murder and killing per se but step one in military career is to be deprogrammed and programmed to kill and in that sense you have premeditated you've been taught that as a reaction this is the result and so this deprogramming and reprogramming part for me was like really uncomfortable watching in real time these these young men be brainwashed into being killing machines uh, and for some of them, that do, like, as, as Connor mentioned earlier, some of them, that, do, that code switch doesn't happen. That's not the right term for that. But that switch doesn't really happen until they're actually in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, like, one of the last scenes of the movie is, uh, wh- who's the photographer?
1: Oh, the, the journalist. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. remember
3: his name. So the yeah. photographer, every... Uh, Rafterman. Se- Rafterman, thank you. So, Rafter Man, in most of the scenes, is nauseous at the sight of violence.
1: Right. He was the one that was nauseous in the helicopter, right? He was,
3: yeah. he was vomiting in the helicopter. And he's the one that kills the young girl, the sniper. Yeah. Uh, and then he's celebrating.
2: At the end? Yeah. Joker kills him. No. No, he, well, he yeah, shoots. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He she, shoots her.
3: You're right. Um, so, she starts shooting at them. Joker l- drops his rifle. And then draws his pistol. Is it a pistol or a handgun? Yeah, it's a pistol. And then Rafterman shoots her several times. And she doesn't die. You're correct. Joker kills her. But he's celebrating it having brought her down, even though he is the one that so far has been the most viscerally responsive to violence in the movie. And then Joker. Kills her,
1: and obviously, I, I think we can all execute this. Goes without saying, but just my personality needs to solidify this. None of us are pro death or like or pro, but but just but in general, like, do you think he's celebrating, not necessarily the termination of a life, but just the fact that he overcame what everyone else in his troop were like, like because because he had that he had that inability to not hold himself together when it came to those actions. Do you think he was celebrating just the ability to finally be there with the rest of his crew? Not necessarily that specific action, I, but mostly just the ability. Like, I, I, I did it. I'm call. now... Like, that's the way I perceived it. It wasn't that he was happy at a loss of life, but it was just the fact that he was like, I, I'm finally where everyone else is.
2: So I don't know if that's necessarily what he's celebrating. Um, I can tell you that Nobody in the military, well, I can't say nobody because there are some sick people yeah. that join at times. Right. But most people in the military don't celebrate taking another person's life. Right. Um, you're doing it not even because of yourself. Like it, it, You join the military knowing at some point you could die. Yes. And you just have to accept that. But what really drives and you. And take a life. Yeah. But what really drives you is protecting the person to the left and right of you. So, I think more he was just happy that he saved Joker from getting killed.
1: I get that, yeah I okay, yeah, that makes sense,
3: and I would say,
1: and that would be that would be a visceral emotion, yeah like that uh, would be absolutely. something yeah yeah that would okay, absolutely. that 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 would that make sense, okay,
3: and I would say that that's a distinction without a difference,
1: distinction without a
3: difference,
1: so break that down for me.
3: He's celebrating having saved Joker's life, yeah absolutely i can't disagree with that but he's celebrating that like the way that he saved joker's life was by removing a life taking a life yeah exactly now yes as Connor pointed out previously technically he didn't joker does moments later but he is celebrating that he was able to be violent in this situation now listen i'm a i'm a pacifist right so like celebrating violence it's always going to hit me the same way i understand that there is additional context here to the violence i get that but ultimately he's celebrating that when the when it mattered he was able to be violent
1: good you can tell me why I'm wrong. About, no no
2: like I, I don't necessarily think you're wrong i just think that it's there's a different mentality when you are in that position sure so none of us really i don't want to say care but the political aspect of war is not something that we think about, right? We get sent somewhere and we've got a job to do. And it's, it's just, it's what we're trained for. It's what we have to accomplish. So like I said, at the end of the day, especially under the Geneva convention, we're not trying to kill a bunch of people, but if I have to protect the person who's next to me, I'm going to do that.
3: I will say though, that throughout this movie, it is very emphasized these are killers.
2: Yeah, and that's, why, again, why I brought up earlier why I think that this is more a caricature of okay, the way that real fair. people yeah, yeah, yeah. would act in that situation.
1: With, with what you were saying, Nelson, I kind of made a comparison to something in my personal life. And without going into too specific details, my wife and I recently adopted a child. A beautiful child. And, that, and that, that joy for my wife and I came from someone else's grief. Lindsay and I at no point were happy about the fact that someone took a loss for us to take a game. But at that same time, we had that juxtaposition of emotions of like utter joy, like unexpressible joy because we finally achieved something we've been striving for. So we were joyful. We were excited. We were um, we were very emotional. It wasn't at the expense of a loss though. So could it be possible that, that raft was it Rafter? Ra- Rafter Man. Rafter, Rafter man. man. Could it be possible that, his expression has nothing to do with the violence at all, except it, it could just be the fact that there is a life saved. Like there and was it's there, the
2: relief that you feel in that right. high stress. Situation. So,
1: so he's not rejoicing at all that there may, maybe there's a perspective, maybe that, that there was a loss, but it's just the fact that there was a, a life. But you I know?
2: I also don't think that that's what Kubrick was going for. If I'm honest, okay. I'm, I'm projecting my own personal biases into this. same. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, absolutely. I think, the entire point of this movie is that that loss of innocence yeah. and that loss of individuality, yeah. and so sure. maybe Kubrick was trying to show that he was happy to be part of the group that he finally got that kill that everybody else had already gotten. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think in reality, he'd be happy that he saved his brother and arms. Hundred percent. Yeah, but maybe the movie's trying to say something else.
1: Yeah. yeah. If we can step back um, a little bit chronologically in the movie, the first moment that got me. In this movie, was Pyle, the culmination of Pyle's character.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I, I actually, I saw it going a different I was, I was receiving the way they were setting him up a different way. I was seeing him as someone who's overcoming this, this lack of. Uh, I saw him being as like the hero of the story, not not becoming essentially a villain or a, not a villain but like someone who got. Indoctrinated, Twisted. right? Like that—that that caught me off guard, and maybe just because I had never seen this movie, or like I didn't know what to expect. Like that was probably the hardest part for me in this movie was that bathroom scene with Pile. Yeah, I—I I kid you not, I viscerally had my hands up to my face. I don't know why I do because I'm watching the movie still. I'm still watching it like this. <laughs> like the hands, are do- splits, the hands are doing nothing. I'm watching the movie with my with the hands over my eyes, but like. That was the hardest part for me in this movie because I was like, I was like, I was rooting for Pyle the whole time, which I, which probably, which was probably the point. Right. I'm like, man, like, gotta, you gotta, you gotta
3: give Kubrick his due there.
1: Right. Oh, absolutely. And cause like, i never once saw myself as a military person. I, I, it was it was just, I've never been, I was never athletic. I was never, and I'm still not, I wouldn't say I've ever achieved any of these goals. But like for me, military is one of those things like, yeah. I and I had I had friends that was in the military that I graduated high school with and stuff like very very grateful for them and stuff but like that was never my thing I was I actually was scared of the draft at some point because when I was younger nine eleven happened and the draft never happened but like there was always I this, was so happy when like, I hit twenty six I I really was because like I just
2: I joined at twenty six I, I know you did I just,
1: <laughs> I just knew that that was something like I was not going to do well like if they were to happen I would do it like I at the time I was very passionate about my country and stuff like I was like I'll do it like they're gonna regret enlisting me because like I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be what they want. And it's like so I was rooting for Pyle in this movie because I was like, man, like that would be me. that would be the I would be the one struggling, trying to adapt, trying to connect with all these other people who've probably been preparing their whole life for this lifestyle. And then next thing, I know, he's in the bathroom and I'm like, oh no like and that that was hard for me. just I don't know where I'm going with this, but that was that was the first movie I was like oh yeah, this is a Kubrick film like but <laughs> but my my question is, does that happen a lot? Did, 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 I don't know if this is where the term a wall comes. Maybe may, I don't. A wall means something completely different. But like someone shifting, making a left turn, like does this section eight? Does yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what the term was. Is this is this normal or it's it's more this, of a
2: slow progression? Okay. Um, a wall, by the way, stands for absent without leave. Absent. So that's without just leave. when okay. you're you're gone. You don't come back. Okay. And you have to be okay. gone for I think it's like a month before they're like, hey, you're AWOL just and we to gotta go find this district. guy and then okay. you can be arrested and all oh, this stuff. Oh, okay. Um, but, so
3: you have a few more weeks yet.
0: <laughs>
2: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> right now I'm just out of ranks. No, <laughs> uh, I'm on leave. Okay, so... Uh, um, but I would say that that transition is slower than okay. the movie yes. picks. Okay. Um, I will say though that Lawrence or Private Pile, whatever you want to call him, that scene in the bathroom, it didn't affect me too much, but it made me think about an experience that I had in basic training where it was, it was very similar to that, where oh there was a guy who had something happen to him in reception. Receptions when you first get there. It's the okay. first week where they issue you all of your gear, your, your uniforms. You get all your shots, all this stuff before you actually go to basic training. Okay. Something happened to him. It was a traumatic experience while he was there. And so the entire time through basic training, he was kind of at this mental break. And like to the point where he kept saying he was going to take rounds, uh, ammunition from the shooting ranges we went to and bring them back to the barracks where all of our weapons were just hanging from our bunks every night. Uh, and he was talking about how he could kill everybody. He could kill himself, all this stuff. So they took his, his weapon away from him Yeah, and they put two people to watch him at all times. And when you're in basic training, you have to have a battle buddy system. So you have to have a, one person with you. Why would they
3: discharge him at that point? Yeah.
2: Well, they were waiting for a medical discharge. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Uh, but that takes a lot of time. Everything in the military takes a lot of time because there's red tape. Yep, the bureaucracy is the worst part about the military. Huh. Um, So they took, they put two people on them okay. instead of just one. like I said, in basic Cops training, in you have to have a battle buddy with you at all times. It doesn't matter if you're going to the bathroom or if you're going – you know, across the hall, you have to take somebody with you. Okay. But they put two people on him to watch him, and he went to the bathroom one day, and the way that our bathrooms were set up, uh, there was like stalls on one side, and it was kind of like a horseshoe-shaped, and then on the other side was the showers. And so these two guys that were supposed to be with him were kind of on the shower side. On the stall side, it faced the street, and there were windows that were about two and a half feet wide at the top of the wall that you could open. And they heard one of the windows open, and then this guy jumped out the window and it was only a two story building. So he didn't die, <sighs> but he hit the ground and you know, they they stopped all of us from going outside, yeah. but we're all watching through the windows just to see what's going on. Right, And all the drill sergeants were around him and they checked to make sure he was still alive. And he the was, finals. but he was obviously injured. And at that point to go back to the beginning of the movie, asking how accurate it is. And then they're yelling at him they're just standing around him in a horseshoe yelling at him, telling him that he's an idiot and that if he really wanted to succeed, he should have jumped from a taller building. Um, Things like that.
1: Oh my God.
2: So wow. Um, yeah, that scene where he's in the bathroom, that's something that I've personally not, not to that right, level, right. but I've experienced Similar. in the military yeah. for sure.
1: Is there, is there support like, like, and again, obviously like 2023, like, There's a lot of mental health talk just in general in all all media's. Is there support for from the beginning of reception? It was it's called reception Mm -hmm. at the beginning, like to where you're at now, where it's 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 now your your job and it's like, do you have um, support when it comes to mental health or like like because like you're in a field that's very unfamiliar to a lot of people and you you're experiencing things you're training for things that is 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 a fairy tale to most people. Like, do you have like a next level type of support system for those things? So there's, so it prevents you from having those moments. That's heartbreaking. There's
2: like, a bit of a support system like that. Okay. But the issue, again, is the red tape, the bureaucracy he Man. was talking about that you have to go through. So we've got behavioral health and then we've got what's called an MFLAC, which is the military family life counselor. Okay, um, MFLACs are easier to get to talk to, but they're not. They're not able to prescribe you anything. Okay. They're not like actual doctors. Like it's behavioral just, health is. Therapy. So that's if you just need to talk to somebody. Behavioral okay. health is if you need to go see a therapist that can prescribe you medication, uh, that kind of thing. And the only way to get into those places quickly is if you're suicidal. But if you're suicidal, that bars you from doing most things in the military. Right. They'll flag you, and you can't can't do things that could potentially make Classic that worse for catch you. Catch twenty two. Well, uh, I wouldn't say catch twenty two. <laughs>
3: Well, I mean like that's what the book Catch 22 is basically about.
2: Yeah, I I yeah, I'm familiar. I'm with unfamiliar the book. with the book. It's not my favorite book, but
3: so World War II, men stationed in Italy, they want to be discharged. The way to be discharged is to be found mentally unfit for war. Mm-hmm. But anybody who is able to articulate well
2: why they're unfit is clearly
0: not
3: mentally unfit. competent.
2: Uh... Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Um like, for instance, just me personally, I've got some family things that I've been dealing with for the past few years now, mm-hmm. uh, just like health concerns and things like that, that have really affected me mentally. But I tried to get an appointment with behavioral health, and the, cl- the soonest that I could get an appointment was six months out from when I called. At that point, you might
3: as well not even bother.
1: That's
2: right.
3: ridiculous.
1: Now, can you can you seek help from an outside source?
2: You can, as long as they take the military insurance. And that's a little bit easier to do.
1: Okay. Um, okay.
2: It's just not something that I've okay. done yet, but man, gotcha
1: that. Yeah. So that, so I guess in, we can go on to a different topic or something like, but that, that for me, that was probably the, the climactic most climactic moment of this movie for me was, was just, was watching that play out. Cause like, as much as oh, I, Oh, that
3: was basically the end of the first half. It was very close.
2: Yeah, the only part of the movie that I actually enjoyed watching
3: was a man killing himself. No,
2: the <laughs> the first half, okay. right? Like,
1: um, and like, and just that was, I, w- I was, I was captivated by it, but at the same time, I'm like, man, this like it can't be this way. I'm like, I'm like, like this cannot be the way this is. Like, and I, I'm very much if you look at me wrong, I'll cry. Like I'm very, I'm an emotional person. Like I'm very much like I grew up with four sisters and stuff. So like I lean more towards more like the, I'm a lover, not a fighter type of guy. So like, so watching a lot of these things depicted, especially in that first half, just the yelling and the name calling, even that was more aggressive to me than some of the military scenes that were played out. And then just watching him who enlisted to help save his country, but then ended up becoming a victim of the system, the American system. Mm-hmm. That was hard to watch.
2: It happens though, and yeah. and again, not to harp too it's, much on the beginning of this movie, but just right. the accuracy of that boot camp section of yeah. the movie was. After watching it, because I watched it before when I before I was in the military, yeah. and now watching it again after I've been in the military, I had a much more visceral reaction to that part of the movie than I thought that the I second
1: would. half yeah.
2: Just because of the things that I saw, where I was like, "Wow, I remember exactly that happening to me," or "I remember exactly." that happening to somebody else or that's super accurate to what we had to do just it was i enjoyed that part of the movie yeah. obviously not the part right, right. where he but, kills himself no, yeah. but i got you um the rest of it even talking to people obviously yeah. i've never seen combat but it's talking to people that have seen combat that part it just very unrealistic to me yeah. at least now I, again vietnam was 50 years ago or sure. 60 years ago now so i, a I totally a,
3: a different conflict entirely. But, yeah now, one question I have because you know you look what? online at I have
0: so many <laughs> questions,
3: but one specifically, you look online, you see a lot of Vietnam vets saying that the boot camp experience and even the military, like the the conflict experience, was pretty authentic. And you just said, and and I, I saw this echoed in a lot of comments I saw online from veterans that the boot camp experience, uh, like you appreciated it, mm-hmm. and one of the first things I thought of when I saw it from a co- uh, a veteran and I'm wondering it now too from you is there some amount of like Stockholm Syndrome there
2: I don't know about Stockholm Syndrome um, I actually recently saw a video where they were talking about this thing that happens in the military where it's called Fire Guard actually it's what Joker's on on the last night when he finds Lawrence in the bathroom right. um, where you will get woken up by a person who's standing there with a red flashlight in your face telling you it's your turn for Fire Guard and that's um,
1: essentially just security, floor security. Like, yeah, like, pretty much. Right? You're okay.
2: just you. You sit at a desk for an hour and you take inventory of all the weapons to make sure none of okay. the weapons are missing, and then you call up a, a little security okay. check to it. So, a so drill really, sergeant.
3: then Joker's already missed something if he didn't notice that.
2: Yeah, Lawrence if he, he didn't notice that he, he was already wasn't already wasn't in his bed with his weapon, yeah, yeah. he missed something. Yeah. Okay. Um, but. When I was watching that video, there were people that were saying, what if you woke up one day and it was just a person standing over you with a red flashlight saying it's your turn for fire guard and everything that you've experienced up until now was all part of a dream. And most people were like, I would love that. I would go back in a heartbeat. And it's not because of loving the experience of basic training or boot camp. It's that you've learned so much since then that you could fix the mistakes that you've made. Or there are people that you've met in the military that are dead now for whatever reason, and you might be able to save them, that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not so much that we loved the fact that we were in this completely structured environment where we're getting yelled at all the time. It's just that you've can you you've learned a lot since then.
1: And there's a lot of growth that happens. Mm-hmm. And with growth comes adhering to
3: medical sie- procedures.
1: You're thinking of a different type of growth, Nelson. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah so I guess I can... Never going through that. I can see the logic behind going through that type of transformation and going. That's special, you know. Like that's. I yeah, I, that makes sense to me.
2: And there is there is that camaraderie that comes with being in the suck together. Yeah, you know, like the you're, suck. You're going through this <laughs> terrible right. experience, but you're with people that are also going through it, and there's just that bond that you create.
1: Yeah, the suck. That's fun. I'm gonna use that. <laughs> i'm such a child
3: can we take a restroom break yeah i gotta pee real bad
1: i don't know what like i don't know what to say i don't remember <laughs> what we were talking about when um, we broke
2: we were talking about um wow. Thank lawrence you. killing himself Thank you so in the much. bathroom <laughs> okay and then i i gave my anecdote about okay. what i experienced in basic training okay. with a guy jumping out the window
1: okay
3: was um, that really where we ended? that yeah. was really where we when ended we broke i should have paused then i can uh, okay. okay um there's one big takeaway that I have from this movie, as a as a anarcho-capitalist, prostitution's but, bad. But more specifically, as a um. Christian anarchist, <laughs> it has nothing to do with the prostitution in this okay. movie. If there's a theme in this movie that is reoccurring that I don't think Kubrick intentionally included because he's not a Christian, but something that was. Very evident to me as a Christian anarchist. First of all, I have to clarify some of the Christian anarchist pr- perspective that we haven't discussed on the show before. Okay. It is my understanding from scripture that God and Christ are king, all other authority derives from them. Any instruction that is oppositional to what they would say is illegitimate. Okay. As is outlined in 1 Chronicles maybe first kings
1: old testament nice
3: yeah um when samuel apologizes to god that the 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 israelites want a king god says hey it's not your fault right uh they're actually rebelling against me um and then he says these are the things that kings will do uh, and if you really want one i'll give you one but right. you know they're going to tax you they're going to take your children they're going to turn your your daughters into he lists a handful of things in your sons into soldiers and a handful of other things. It is my understanding from looking at scripture and looking at the modern state, that the state is effectively the, a, a secular God.
1: Okay. I'm All of the
3: authority due Christ due to God has been replaced by the state. It is because we do not give the proper honor and authority to God that we have a state as strong as it is. All right? That's my presupposition. Okay. My bias.
1: I'm, I'm with you so far.
3: Okay. So there's a handful of things in this movie, especially in the first half of the movie, that really feed into my bias.
1: That so, that prove it, or like that... that support it. Support
3: it. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we have a uh, gunnery sergeant, the drill sergeant, he says to his men, pray And in response to his instruction to pray, all of the men in the barracks say the following. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. Mm -hmm. My rifle is my best friend. It is my life. I must master it as I must master my life. Without me, my rifle is useless. Without my rifle, I am useless. I must fire my rifle true. I must shoot straighter than my enemy who is trying to kill me. I must shoot him before he shoots me. I will. Before God, I swear this creed. My rifle and myself are defenders of my country. We are the masters of our enemy. We are the saviors of my life. So be it, until there is no enemy but peace. Amen.
1: Amen, sir. Yes, sir.
3: Now, as somebody who looks at the Pledge of Allegiance, for example, as flag worship, for me, this screams worshiping the state this is a a a a group of people saying these same words like a public call to prayer uh where they are worshiping the state and their gun and 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 like even in there there's there's specific wording before god i swear this creed uh we are the saviors of my life amen Right? We also have, later, I love working for Uncle Sam, so it lets me know just who I am. That's one of the, what's the word for that when they're running and chanting? Cadence. Cadence. One of the cadences. I love working for Uncle Sam, it lets me know just who I am. Who are these men finding their identity in? Now, as Christians, we believe we find our identity in Christ. But these men find their identity in Uncle Sam, the government. And then later, today is Christmas. There will be a magic show at 0930. Chaplain Charlie will tell you how the free world will conquer communism with the aid of God and a few Marines. God is a hard-on for Marines because we kill everything we see. He plays his games, we play ours. To show our appreciation for such power, we keep heaven packed with fresh souls. God was here before the Marine Corps, so you can give your heart to Jesus, but your ass belongs to the Corps. Do you ladies understand? Now, between these two quotes from, from the Joel Sargent, largely, for me, as a Christian anarchist who sees the the state as a subversion of God's supreme authority, both of these just, like, cry out about how that is true. Kubrick's not a Christian, so I don't think that that's an opinion of his, that he's... Was was an opinion of his right like if Leo Tolstoy had written this wrote this I'd be like oh well he's making a point Kubrick's not a Christian and he's not an anarchist right he's just anti-war and he chose to put this in for me this is just like the epitome of sacrilege I I have questions for both of you Jeff as a Christian and Connor as a army whatever (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah Um, That's what we call ourselves,
1: <laughs> Army. Whatever, there Jeff.
3: As a Christian, yes. how much did these moments in the movie bother you, Connor? As a military person, how much did these moments consistent with your experience in in boot camp? Jeff, first.
1: So, honestly, like those those two specific quotes you you gave, like those didn't. I didn't even put much thought into them as much as I did that initial thought where he was doing the racial slurs and just okay. saying like all these things. Are gone now. You're all this. Like that affected me more. Just that, that removal. the removal of identity. I dwelled on that more than the and that all and I. I know I'm jumbling around here. That kind of set the the scene for me. Like okay, so so if, if these people have no identity, then for me, my faith is part of my identity. So if you've already re- stripped my identity away, then I'm assuming my faith adherence, whatever that is is a part of that thing that you're trying to remove to rebuild me. So by the time that those quotes came along, I was already in the status that these people were, these these soldiers were moldable and influenceable, I don't know if that's a word, um, humans. But the, I think, but the redeeming factor is the other thing that you have not mentioned yet is when... Um, the one character disagrees with the drill sergeant about his faith.
3: Joker but prince uh, uh, not not about his faith. Well, about uh, specifically uh, uh, about the virgin Mary. Cr- correct. Which correct. as right. Protestants, we don't believe in the virgin Mary yet. Right. Well, she existed, but the she virgin, wasn't a virgin.
1: She was when she had Jesus.
3: She wasn't when she had his siblings.
1: Right. But like but but the, she's not the still a virgin. Fo- focus on that that's true. That's true. They're focusing on the the pre-James Mary. <laughs> the, sure. The pre-Jesus' siblings Mary. Um, but like... Um,
3: like, Joker could have been a Protestant. The movie doesn't clarify. Right.
1: but so, so that moment where, he, where he, he disagreed with the sergeant and was like, no, sir, like, I, I, I don't agree with what you just said. I forget the quote. But like, that for me was redeeming, like, the fact that there is an ability to adhere to pre-existing beliefs. So... Everything else that came before or after that was kind of negated because those quotes came to teach a lesson, to prove a point, to, to, to focus in on some specific sort of standard, not necessarily go, you don't believe this anymore ever. It was just in this moment, there is an emotion. There is a fact. There is a, there is a lesson right now that's being taught, but that doesn't mean you can't adhere to these things that you came with or are leaving with. So, sure. so those I, two quotes for me didn't mean much in the fact that they are if all be all end all statements. Sure. You know what I mean? Because because of that other disagreement that was earlier, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I know so, I didn't quote those right. No, I I, yeah. I think
3: you make a great point. Speaking yeah. from my biases, I would say
1: your silver screen biases.
3: My silver screen biases. Not a spot. I would say that no, we it is a sponsor. That's actually what we do here, Jeff. We are oh, a silver man, screen I biases. That. So speaking from my biases, I would say that the fact that there was a handful of things that made you feel like there was still a separation of church and state, right? that only, in my opinion, emphasizes how subversive the state is mm-hmm. at replacing proper authority of Christ.
1: Yes and no. So... Again, my, my right, right, major right. bias is so, up, the so state is right, illegitimate. Right, right. This is uh, so. In, I adhere to Christianity. Of course. But.
3: <laughs> that's, a, that's a great way to start with, this with, paragraph. With, with, with what
1: I believe, I believe that we've been given the freedom of choice. People okay. have the ability Yeah, not, like you're
3: a three point Calvinist. Right.
1: People have the ability not to adhere to Christianity, and that's that that's okay. For sure, that, that's allowed. That's there's that's yeah, allowed. Romans like, discusses that, group. right? So yeah, so oh, where am I going with this? Um, if my religious beliefs, whatever that religion was, made it more detrimental to the fact that we didn't have a choice with what we did or did not believe, then I think I'd have more emotion to the fact that there was room for wiggle there. You know what I mean? Like, are we because we had the freedom? I, I'm hoping I'm making sense here. Uh, because we have the freedom of choice within Christianity, we can communicate with people that don't believe the same things we believe and not go, I don't know how to word this. Oh, I'm losing my train of thought. This may need to. I,
3: I will say the, the separation of church and the state was an idea born out of the church, not secularism, right? Right. There was, there was, in the early colonies, churches that didn't have opinions shared by the majority of the colonies. Uh, And so they actually worked with Benjamin Franklin for a separation of church and state. Oh, the Lightning guy. Yeah, the Lightning guy. Uh, So that the the state would not have an official position. Now, with the Virgin Mary discourse, that's an official position presented by the the government. And so that's where separation of church and state really comes into play. And I would agree with you. If he enforced to the point of discipline that my opinion of the Virgin Mary— is what will now be your the opinion standard. of the Virgin, Mar- 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 Virgin <laughs> Mary? Virgin yeah. words are hard. Words are hard. Yeah. it would be a different thing. Yeah. But again, like I want to say, the subversiveness of this, right? Like, like, and I, I know we've talked about this before. I consider the Pledge of Allegiance to be an act of worship.
1: Right? I, w- I would agree with you.
3: And yeah. so I see all of this. The he instructs them to pray and they pray to their rifle. Mm-hmm. He tells them about Christmas and about how God has a hard on for the Marine Corps. In my opinion, the most offensive line in of this movie.
1: I, right. But we see him in other aspects in like okay. So he uses the that Jody line, talking about how like Jody is out He's home. looking
3: at Connor right now.
1: Right. Well no, no, not but like we talk it, about I know, Jody a lot. Right, right. I watched a, I'm not an expert by any means, but like I watched a YouTube video about that specifically that Jody line, just how like, that is a thing that's, that, that is an accurate
2: Jody's at home, making sure that your uh, significant other is taken care of while you're gone.
1: Yeah. It's like, it's like, there's a lot of lines that are said in every subject of life that are embellished or are meant to evoke emotion. And correct me at any time I'm wrong, Connor, please. Um, but like, so like for me, like whether it's sex, whether it's religion, whether it's food, whether it's, animals, whether it's military warfare, there's moments where he's invoking an emotion to get you passionate about something. So whether it's religion or the hair on the back of a monkey, he's invoking you to get passionate and to get excited about something so that so i didn't take it verbatim just because like in the end in that conversation about i admire you for standing up for what you believe and disagreeing with me you're going to now be the lead of whatever those terms were like that proved to me that like religion is allowed difference of opinion is allowed but the point that he was trying to prove st- was still made because that conversation was had you know so like so i didn't take that as too heart because just be, a, any topic could have been used as a subject of whether you disagree or not, this is standard or this is, this is firm. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's why none of these, none of these quotes struck a nerve because I knew they were meant to invoke an emotion, but not necessarily go, you have to believe this now or you're gone because they prove the exact opposite. When you disagree with me, you got the balls. Okay. You're going to now be in charge of so-and-so. Sure. So, so I none of these quotes invoked that. Man, I I disagree with that. That's wrong. They 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 proved that out.
3: I uh, I, I strongly disagree. But that, that's fine. I welcome. But um, I love you. I don't want to have the last word on this. I'm gonna let you have the last word on this,
1: Con- Connor. Stossel.
3: And now pivot to Connor. Yeah. Connor, those two quotes that I, I read. Uh, how much for you? Did that feel? realistic of uh, of your basic training experience
2: so when you're in that environment nothing that they say is without purpose every single action that your drill instructor or your drill sergeant does or everything that they say to you has a reason right and kind of agreeing with what jeff said over here um it's not that they're telling you you can't have these religious beliefs or that you can't have your own opinions, things like that. It's trying to indoctrinate you into this mindset that you are not a civilian anymore. You are now a part of this system that is bigger than you and you need to get on board with that. As far as the religious aspect is concerned, when I went through, um, that's not a thing anymore. There's like I said before, there's equal opportunity Uh, programs that we go through where you're allowed to have your own religious beliefs and they're never going to try and force anything onto you. But as far as, I don't know, you, you, you equated it with basically taking that false idol essentially. Right. Yeah. A hundred percent. We do, we, we don't do that exact thing. This is my rifle thing. That's They actually do that in the movie Jarhead. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I have. I've seen Jarhead in high school. The exact same quote. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine. So they do the same thing in Jarhead, right? We don't do that specifically, but we are required to say the Soldier's Creed pretty much every day until it's ingrained in our heads. Just the title, the Soldier's Creed, makes me so uncomfortable. But go on. Where
3: Can you repeat it for us? Can yeah. you take me higher? It's, it's, that's that's no, all why we do. I'm uncomfortable, but it's, thank you, Jeff. It's
2: soldiers that are just standing there singing Creed in the morning. Uh, Kryptonite, soldiers Creed. Kryptonite was our favorite. Of course. It's three doors
3: down. Really, oh, uh, oh personally, Kryptonite is my Kryptonite. But.
2: Um, no, so the Soldier's Creed says, uh, I'm an American soldier. I'm a warrior and a member of a team. I serve the people of the United States and live the army values. I will always place the mission first. I will never accept defeat. I will never quit. I will never leave a fallen comrade. I am disciplined, physically and mentally tough, trained and proficient in my warrior tasks and drills. I will always maintain my arms, my equipment, and myself. I am an expert and I am a professional. I stand ready to deploy, engage, and destroy the enemies of the United States of America in close combat. Both foreign and domestic. I am a guardian of freedom and the American way of life. I am an American soldier.
1: I like that better than the Pledge of Allegiance.
3: On its face, I see nothing objectionable there. The only thing I find objectionable is, presumably, if I'm a Christian serving in the military and the the mission is first. If the mission violates my values as a Christian... What is the
2: military's position on that? So you're you're speaking... Hypothetically. Ca- kind of like the... Uh, have you ever seen the movie Hacksaw, Hacksaw Ridge?
3: Ridge. Yep. I've not, Andrew but I know Garfield. the premise of it.
2: Okay, Spider-Man
3: doesn't hurt people. He was a, no, exactly. a Seventh-day
1: Advent, Adventist. Mm-hmm. Seven yeah, day, he only eats day fish.
2: Adventist. He was a conscientious objector. Right. Um, but served. So not correct. quite a conscientious objector. So they ask you when you first join... If you are a conscientious conscientious objector, right? If you answer yes to that question, it bars you from joining. Really, that's correct. That's correct.
1: Wow.
2: Um. So, huh. actually,
3: I've got I got some data on this. Let me see if I can pull it up one second here.
1: When did that? Like, has that always been a thing? Like,
2: I don't know if it's because, always because been obviously,
1: a thing. like Hexall Ridge, he would have been vetted out then. Mm-hmm. So,
2: but but that was a different. Set of circumstances, right? The country had just been attacked. Uh, they were trying to get as many people as possible. They were drafting so people. Circumstantial, right? Okay,
1: because like I, I'm patriotic to the extent, extent that like I've What's... only ever been American. America does mean a lot to me, and I know obviously like <laughs> boundaries are human made constructs and stuff. Like like in there's international p- things that are also I'm passionate about, but like America has I there are freedoms in America that are not anywhere else. 100%. So, so, for that reason, I'm proud to be an American. But there are many other reasons why I would not be proud to be American. Mm-hmm. And that's a different discussion. Absolutely. So, oh, man. There's, I'm, my mind is moving a mile a minute. Um, but, yeah, I just, I, I don't know where I was going with this. But, yeah, I just, I lost my train of
3: thought. Well, allow me to pick up where you left off. Take, take
1: it up. Take it away, Nelson.
3: Um, so, in this movie, they're fighting the Vietnam War which was the last war that we had conscription for. Perscription? Conscription. Now, there are people that disagree with this. My position is similar to the Rothbardian position, uh, Mary Rothbard, who says that conscription is slavery. To define slavery, a form of forced labor in which people are treated as property and are forced to work against their will, usually, but not necessarily, for no pay. So, conscription, uh, some people say is not slavery. The Rothbardian, Murray Rothbard position, is that conscription is slavery. You're being forced into occupation as a soldier for pay, but there's no choice in the matter. Okay, it's not voluntary. World War One, approximately 85 to, 95, 90, 85 to 90% of American soldiers were conscripted.
1: Drafted? Is that the same... Same thing. Okay, okay, okay.
3: World War II, 40 to 50%. Korean War, 75 to 80%. Vietnam War, 70 to 75%. Mm-hmm. So roughly three quarters of the soldiers on screen do not want to fight. They're not voluntarily there. Now, Jeff, we actually know a guy who was drafted for for Vietnam War And chose not to fight. He was a conscientious objector. Because he was a conscientious objector, he was sent to assist in the construction of bridges. Hmm. And was stabbed while building bridges several times.
1: Are you serious?
3: Now, that's the story as I remember it. Maybe incorrect.
1: Well, either just around that. If you're being forced to do something that you don't want to do, outside of just... Child to parent relationship. Yeah. <laughs> like outside of that, like if you're an adult and you're being made to do something up to the point that it's physical abuse or like there is physical reprimand, recommend- jail not, time. I, right, right. That I would even go, that's a form of slavery. So, yes, yeah, like, right. right. So I'm trying, so I'm tracking it, with If you,
3: if you refuse the draft, you will be jailed.
1: Right, right. I now, don't, I don't agree with the
3: draft. Now, though. that is in, yeah. in my, understanding of slavery that fits the bill is that comparable to chattel slavery of the south during the 1800s absolutely not
1: right well, there are a lots right
3: there are lots of right. forms of slavery yeah it's not okay? it's
1: not yeah correct so to separate that yeah
3: given that context the religious overtones here for me are incredibly offensive. These people don't want to be there to begin with. right? It, it, it's one thing if you are voluntarily uh, joining the military, which, I mean, that alone I have my issues with as we've discussed, Connor, uh, because of who it is for, not what it is for. It's one thing if you're there and they say, you know, pray, and then you repeat, this is my rifle. It's a different thing entirely if you're there involuntarily. I have, I have... Such serious issues with this. For me, similar to Connor, the first half of this movie is way more important than the second half. Yes, Kubrick does do a great job in the second half of illustrating the futility of war, but the first half is about venerating, worshipping the state, worshipping war. Um, There's a, a brilliant... He died at the age of 32... Um, a, a gentleman named Randolph Bourne. He was. Oh,
1: I've seen his movies. Different Bourne. Oh, uh,
3: he wrote uh, an essay called "The State" that was published after he died. He was a dissenter to World War One. He coined the phrase "War is the health of the state." Now, for some people, that means when there is war, the state, the people of the state, right, the civilians. They unify in a, in a unique way. We definitely saw that after 9 11, for example. Yeah. yeah. And that's absolutely true. What he was saying when he wrote that, though, is that because of that unification, because of that centralization of power, the state gains more power. Um, the Leviathan State is an essay that really kind of highlights this. Right? Like 9 11, we saw the Patriot Act signed. And now the Patriot Act is being used against the very people that championed it to begin with.
1: Mm. And right. we got the Sokovia Accords as well.
3: Yeah. Right. In, uh, in a totally fictional universe <laughs> of the Avengers. Yeah.
1: So like... like, Sorry. I it's hard for me to... T-
3: <laughs> as, as passionate as I am about <laughs> economics, I'm way more passionate about yeah. war. Right. Like for me, this movie highlights everything that for me is the problem with the state. Mm-hmm. The problem with the centralized you, government.
1: You get, Can I, can I ask you a question that like, if we step outside of this, this movie and 2023 and what our current political climate is, if you're reading the Bible and, and, and you're reading depictions of warfare within the Bible, how do you feel about that? Like, like, cause like, cause, 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 cause I'm getting, cause I'm getting your perspective of modern warfare, not the game, but like, just like where we're at now as a country and stuff like God is, I mean, it's, it's, it's a commandment, like murder yeah. is a sin, but like, yeah. but fighting for what you believe in, and standing up for your belief is not a sin. And if it means, if it means actively defending yourself to the point of breaking skin, it's not okay, but it's that's that's a logical outcome what yeah what d- does does your views change when you're looking from modern warfare to biblical warfare like because like war is something like obviously in an ideal world, no one would have to enter counter war right no, like a perfect war would mean that Connor would never have to enlist and fight for a nation and protect us because we don't need it. That's a perfect situation. That's but actually because,
3: a, a subcontext of this movie is the inevitability of war. Right.
1: It's like, but because there are issues between us, not just us in America, but us as a a globe, we need people to fight for us and protect for us, protect us. Okay. Well.
3: So, me, what's your perspective you, you've on asked biblical? Actually, right, questions. Right, what's your perspective so on biblical, biblical Yeah. And the biblical is going to be very unsatisfying. To who? To everyone. Oh, savory. Unless you are a devout Christian, the in which case it'll be even, it'll be slightly more satisfying, but if you're non-Christian, very unsatisfying. I do not presume to know the mind of God.
1: Okay, that's valid. Yep.
3: And so, as a Christian, anything God does is by its nature good. Okay. Not just allowable, but morally good. And so if he commands a war it is good. I don't necessarily understand and in many times disagree but it is by its nature good. To a non-Christian that is an unsatisfying answer. I understand. Right. And that's just the way it is.
2: You'd right. be super popular in the crusades by the way.
3: <laughs> I disagree strongly with the crusades but that's a that's a conversation for another time. Um and, that, and for non-Christian, it's a very unsatisfying answer. I get that, and I get why it's unsatisfying, right? When there was a time where I was an unconvinced Christian, to put it lightly, right? Um, probably not even a Christian by some people's standards. And for me, that would have been a very unsatisfying, unhelpful answer. If you're a Christian, anything God does is by nature good, and so the wars he instructed are good. The American wars... Have not been to my knowledge instructed by the immutable word of God, right, all of them to my knowledge
1: I mean it's valid yeah i can I, can't, I don't know if we can fact check that
3: um if you can find me evidence to the contrary, <laughs> I'm open to it, but right. to my knowledge, right, and I get that's an unsatisfying answer right, but that is the answer
1: right and and obviously i'm 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 not trying to compare Vietnam to spiritual warfare. But obviously, there's a lot of battles or, within description, or even outside of spiritual warfare, just...
3: to reclaiming Israel. Right. 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 But despite not intending to, that is what the comparison you made, and yeah, I correct, don't think it's correct. an unfair comparison. Yeah.
1: Because like, because war is war is war is war. Right. Like in theory, like in like it looks different, but like it's also war. Person versus person battle. A battle is. Is a is a type of war. It can it can be again. Connor, correct me if like I'm 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 here to be corrected. Like it's we can have internal wars. We can have wars within ourselves. Like like yeah. like it's like it's like a war is is a state of mind. But at some point there can be casualties to war. Uh,
3: w- right. without without fail. Right. It's there just will at be some casualties point, like, of war. So, so
1: it's it's just where. Is there a line to where this is justifiable? Whether it's whether it's composed to a nation, a a a a defined border or a spiritual border, or like like is is like are the wars that we've had as a nation? I valid. I don't know. Do I want to say that? Like, yeah. I, I mean, like, I, I say would it?
2: say that the last righteous war is the way that I would put it. Yeah. Um, it would be World War Two. Okay. And, and even that wasn't, like, we didn't get into World War II because we had a desire to stop Hitler from right. doing what he wanted to do. Because we were, we, were we were neutral. Unaware. Right. Well, we weren't even unaware. We were neutral we were in observing. that war. <laughs> we would send weapons and things to England, like yeah. we're doing now with Ukraine. But we were fairly neutral in that war until Japan decided...
3: Well... Hold, hold on I didn't want to get into this but you just said something that's factually inaccurate so I have to get involved here we sent equipment supplies to the allies and very explicitly denied equipment supplies to the axis we were involved I'm not saying we weren't involved I know
1: well we weren't on the battlefield
3: we weren't we didn't have boots on the ground but but what happened at Pearl Harbor was a not unprovoked, and B, not... Um, there is evidence to say that FDR was aware it might happen and chose to take specific actions to defend specific ships and allow others to sink.
2: I'm not saying that we weren't involved in the war. Sure. The same way that I wouldn't say that we're not involved in the Ukraine war today. Mm-hmm. That's a spicy position. I'm just saying <laughs> this- that... <laughs> the government will tell you that we were neutral.
3: Our official position is that
2: yes, yeah, right.
3: until we were attacked.
2: And right. At that point, Germany and the Axis powers, because Japan attacked us, had no choice but to declare war on us as well. Right, and that's right. why we got involved in that war.
3: Not I, that, that I, I, I do want to clarify when I say that Japan was provoked. I, I do not in any way justify their actions. It's still deplorable, but. To say that it happened in a vacuum isn't accurate.
2: I'm not saying it happened in a vacuum.
3: I, I know you're not, but there are some that do.
2: I'm just saying that, in my opinion, right? That that's the last war that I can look at historically that the U.S. has been involved in, and say there was a good reason to be involved in that war. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right? Even 9/11. Like I understand us being involved in any type of conflict in the Middle East because of what happened there. Mm. But the official position of the the military and the government was to fight terror. It was the war on terror, right? And then we went into Afghanistan and we fought the Taliban. And the war
3: on drugs and poverty and AIDS have gone so well. Yeah, exactly. Why not on terror? To we the went we
2: went into Afghanistan for twenty years <laughs> and fought the Taliban. When really it was the Saudis that funded nine eleven, but right. we're allies with the Saudis, so we weren't really doing anything about nine eleven other than. Killing Osama bin Laden in 2012,
1: allegedly. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, now, here, here's a fun, like a little little thing to chew on. Like, can you have a military excursion, a battle, without it being called a war? Like, Vietnam was a police sure. action, but that was also called Vietnam War.
3: No, it's the Vietnam police action,
1: Connor. <laughs> 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 like, 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 can you? At what point does it go from military? Boots on the ground, action, gunfire. To where? Okay, now it's a war. We
2: do that all the time. Okay, even today. Okay, right now we're the war on terror is over. Right, right? We, right with, we withdrew from Afghanistan. That's not a thing anymore. Right. We still have troops on the ground in Iraq and in Syria mm-hmm. that are fighting ISIS, a terror organization. Right. And there's right?
1: there's there's action mm-hmm. taking place and stuff. And there are they're okay.
2: they're they're straight shooting at each other. Right. And
1: but it's not a war. It's just they're just some battles exactly okay, presidents okay
2: all the way back you know from bush okay. on have have enacted drone strikes gotcha. on on leaders of terror organizations across the world
1: and that question was just me being ignorant because like i i am outside of this 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 knowledge and, okay. and
2: those aren't considered wars a gotcha. war is when one organization a full-on political organization declares war mm-hmm. on another political okay. organization
1: okay I, I track with you gotcha Man, I, I am loving this conversation and I, I hope you is, if you've, and, and I will, I will pause and say like, um, if you, you guys who are listening, I, we, we want to have conversation online, like, like, like chime in, I uh, put in Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, like, let us know what you're thinking, whether you agree or disagree. Like we, we are, this is an open discussion. We are here for all sides of the, the spectrum of stuff we just, we just want to hear, we just want to have this conversation. So respectfully, of course, um, but, um. We can we can all have, we can have different sides and disagree, but we can be respectful about it. So just, but please let us know what, what your thoughts are about this conversation. I'm loving this. Like this is, this is, this is so in, I, I'm so engulfed in this, by the way, this is incredible.
2: I, I also would like to say that I don't think that this movie is an anti-war movie. I know that you brought this up earlier in what you were saying that Kubrick was trying to push his position of being anti-war.
3: More anti-violence than anti-war. I don't, I don't, think, but again, I don't think this is an that, anti-war movie. That's from my sample size of two Kubrick movies, both of which I've watched for this podcast.
2: <laughs> Wait till you get to 2001 A Space Odyssey. And,
1: uh, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because like, and this is just a little quick blurb here. Like When we were talking about um, Kubrick's religious perspective, um, I just I just did a quick Google, and I guess there's a lot more themes of religious, and I've never seen that movie. It is on the list, though, so we will eventually get, through, get to it. But there's a lot more religious parallels in that movie than there was in this. So he was not a Christian, to what I can see on the interwebs. But there are a lot more faith-based, metaphysical themes in that 2001 Space Odyssey. So, so this conversation will continue, at least on the Kubrick topic of his perspective on life and stuff. So just a, just a foreshadowing.
2: I think that there are themes in the movie that are anti-war for sure, but I don't think that that was his goal, right? Like right. even the name of the movie, full metal jacket. Do you, you guys know anything about how he came up with the name for that?
1: I mean,
3: well, it shows that, up in the end of the first half,
1: right? I mean, cause pile says that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's the first, I mean, outside of knowing the name of this movie, when Pyle said that, that's the first time I've heard it used in a sentence, to so, my knowledge. So
2: Full Metal Jacket, this movie was based off of a book okay. that he read. Um, I forget what it was, it was called, but in the book, they don't mention Full Metal Jacket once. Hmm. And the reason why he named it that, at least as far as anyone can tell, is that within the Geneva Convention, which the United States is part of, it states that the only ammunition that you're allowed to use is a full metal jacket round because a full metal jacket is it's essentially a bullet that's coated in copper okay. and it will generally go through a person and create an exit wound whereas like a hollow point or a soft metal jet ja- or a soft jacketed round will fragment within a person uh it's the reason why police use hollow points okay because when they're trying to take down somebody they don't want to have to worry about that round going through them and then hitting something past the person that they're shooting at right in war. You don't want that fragmentation because it creates a wound. That's almost impossible to fix. Mm. Right. Um, so the Geneva convention states that you have to use full metal jacket rounds and Kubrick was essentially commenting on the absurdity of having rules for warfare with the name of this movie.
1: Hmm. Wow. I, yeah, I had no, I, that, that, wow. It's incredible. I've, <laughs> this got, <is> great.
3: <laughs> I've got something else out of this movie that I want to discuss, and I'd love to hear your opinion on Connor and Jeff. Um, so Joker, when he leaves basic or boot camp, he becomes media correspondent for the military. They have a specific title for it, but uh, there's a conversation between him, him and Rafterman. Rafterman says, you know what really pisses me off about these people? We're supposed to be helping them, and they crap all over us every chance they get. I just can't figure that out. And then Joker says, Don't take it too hard, Raft, Man. it's just business. And of course, moments later we've got the the their boss saying we run two stories here. Need he details the two different types of stories. By limiting it to two different types of stories, this is very obviously propaganda. I, I watched a documentary after I watched this movie today. <clears throat> Documentaries titled Theatres of War. Uh, all branches of the military and the CIA have uh, specific budgets for assisting in in media and entertainment. Um, to quote the military on the movie Lone Survivor, support Mark for entertainment water, feature right? films like this reach far greater audiences than any single news media story about the event. Audiences going to see the film will voluntarily sit through a two-hour infomercial about the participation of Army Special Forces in one of our many joint missions. It will also show the professionalism and dedication of our soldiers. Basically, the way this works is, if a movie production company wants to make a movie that features the military, say, Iron Man or Transformers, they'll approach the, the branches responsible show them the script. And those branches will go through the script and say, hey, uh, we'd love to work with you, um, but you're going to have to change this, 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 and this, or not use our equipment and our personnel. Now, in any other voluntary exchange, that's a that's a trade that I think is very reasonable. Mm-hmm. The only reason that I, I consider this voluntary exchange different is because the military is funded with involuntary tax dollars expropriated from the civilian class. This movie, uh, Full Metal Jacket, was not produced with the assistance of the U.S. military. Mm. And that's because it highlights unprofessionalism. It highlights hazing practices in in boot camp. It's actually why I was surprised that the Marines post- Uh, Post-service, not posthumously, but post-service Promoted uh, Gunnery Sergeant uh, Lee Ermie Yes, exactly, thank you It it portrays him in a negative light And and as a result portrays uh, uh, Jewel Sergeants in a negative light Famously, Jerry Bruckheimer Who's the director that did the Transformer movies? Michael Bay. Michael Bay Michael Bay So Jerry Bruckheimer and Michael Bay are both big directors that the the military loves to work with uh, always portrays them in positive light. Um, so Iron Man, uh, Transformers, uh, Saving Private Ryan, Top Gun Top Gun Maverick all produced with assistance from military budget and surplus including military personnel uh, and then those movies are actually aired first for personnel, uh, before they're aired for the general public. And that actually provides viral marketing because, um, for example, people on base get to see the movie first and tell their family, hey, you should see this when it comes out. It's it's very good. Uh, and, and the Air Force is not at all quiet about how productive Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick were for driving Air Force in, uh, recruitment.
2: That was actually the Navy, but yeah.
3: Tomato, tomato. Jeff. Guilty. Your thoughts. I'm sure you can predict my thoughts.
1: That specific thing, I I guess I, I don't know, I'm, neut- I'm neutral about. I, I guess I don't, know, that, I, don't know, I I I don't really have much to say about that. I don't I don't necessarily yeah no so I, yeah I, I I don't I don't have anything to add to that. I don't I don't, I don't disagree. Does yeah. it
3: bother you, or do you not care at all?
1: It bothers me. I would compare it to like, like a, like a mosquito bite. Like it's something like you can't do anything about, like I can't, Jeffrey can't do anything about it. So like it bothers me to enough to where it's like, okay. And eventually I just won't think about it anymore because it's out. Like it's not something I have any control or any factor in, but it is something that I don't necessarily see it going the way I wouldn't, I would if I could manipulate it, I would manipulate it differently, but like, I can't. It's like, I don't, you know, I don't dwell on it. You know, know, does that make sense? Like, it's just, it's...
3: If you had your druthers, your your tax dollars wouldn't be spent on that, but you feel like you are unable to affect change there.
1: Right. Like, I I, I give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but I can't tell Caesar what to do with his money, you know? Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, it's like, it's, and I and I I use the money I can dictate for what I think is important and pertinent, but I'm not about to worry about that because it's inevitable. It's you know it's Thanos you know, but like it's like what I'm going to put my focus and my time and my effort in is the money where I can I can positively manipulate. I can positively influence with. I I'm pro. I'm, I'm, I'm pro government. I'm pro military. I'm pro. I get just broadly like obviously if we get if we get to fine tooth combs, there's things I dis- disagree and agree with but like I'm glad there's a government. I'm glad there's a police force. In general, protecting my well being, not specifically Jeffrey, but the idea of Jeffrey and the idea of where we live in the town, in the city, in the state. So I know without my tax dollars things like that would be harder to come by. Not impossible. There could be other ways to have these types of situations and these types of constructs without having taxes. But either way, I'm glad military, police, medical, town governors, like, like, okay, they all, some of them may not be great people. Some of them may be, but the idea of what they represent and the altruistic idea of what a governor, a mayor, a president—the idea of what they represent—I'm all for. That doesn't mean that they're doing it well, but either way, we asked for a king back all the way back in in the in the Old Testament. We, as a human humanity, we asked for kings.
3: And and I think it was pretty clear in the Old Testament that that was a bad thing that we asked for that. Right, go on.
1: right. But but Jesus later then said, "Give to Caesar what is Caesar's." And? Fini- finish it for
3: me. And to God, what is God? Right.
1: And I do both of those. I do both of those.
3: What is not God's?
1: I, I don't know how to answer that. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Because everything's God's. And? But the idea that us as humanity asked for leadership, for rulership. There, in itself, lies a a systematic construct. Okay. And God acknowledges it. Jesus acknowledged it and goes, "Okay, you wanted it. There's a price to pay for it, yeah. and that price is monetary, physical, emotional, relational, sexual, habitual. It's 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 all the Sounds it's all the yule's like
3: the the curse, right? But uh, right. No, the, no, no. I'm going to let you have the last word on this, Jeff.
1: No, I, I, but, I, but
3: I I will I will say. I want to say one last thing before I let you have the last word, (laughs) (laughs) and then you're going to have the last word, and we'll we'll pivot to to Connor. You're good because I I am the I am the extremist of the two of us, and so I I like to have the more centrist view wrap up. Yeah, that's fine. Um, Would you agree that security and defense is of more importance than a soft drink?
1: Absolutely. Of course. Okay. Yeah.
3: Coca-Cola seems to do very well at marketing and providing and facilitating soft drinks that are in very high demand. And how much more high demand would security and defense be? And why is it that we can't handle that through a market solution? Why is it that it must be provided through a monopolized, centralized solution? That's That really comes to the fundamentals of this. It's not that I think that police and defense shouldn't be. Mm. It's that I think that they're too important to be monopolized now you don't have to answer that if you if you don't have one if that's something you want to chew on that's fine but i'm going to allow you the last word before we pivot to connor and get his opinion on the 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 propagandistic side of of these films
1: no i and i appreciate that like and i and i don't i don't disagree with you in the fact that it's become something as as simple as our humanity's safety The safety of our physical and well-being and the longevity of us as a humankind not necessarily even us as an American humankind, but just as a humanity has become something that's been become a business. We mentioned earlier in this episode, if you're, if you're still tracking with us, thank you. Um, Probably in the last episode, I think this might be a (laughs) two-part. But like, but the bureaucracy that it takes, even for the people that are fighting for us, that are in this construct that we're talking about, how, like, how, like. Even they have to wait a while to get the needs that they need to go. Like so, like so, like bureaucracy
3: it, that we don't typically see. Right. in free market. Well, right. This
2: is the reason why I'm against socialized medicine. By the way,
1: right. <laughs> so I, I, I've
2: experienced it.
1: it. I my issue is not. Let's with... Let's
3: give me. the VA solution of medicine <laughs> to everyone.
1: So yeah, yeah. Like, and I my issue is not with what with the constructs. It's it's how the constructs have gone have. And I say this. Because obviously this is not the heart of everyone that's in, that's in these situations. Of course. So I, I, sp- I, speak from an, a, a broad term. Um, but like it seems from my perspective that there is a, a lack of genuineness and authenticness and it becomes a business transaction. If we could somehow remove that aspect and go, okay, humanity and, life and the value of a breath comes first. And we'll worry about the dollar. We'll worry about the, the business, the marketing, the advertising, whatever. We'll worry about that secondly, but the life comes first. Then I think it'd be different, but I would agree that there are so many loopholes there are so many hoops there are so many things that have started that, that 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 they dictate not even not even a specific person but the rules that we as humans have created are dictating the now humans that created those said rules we've become entrapped in this system of what could be very functional to something that's choking us out does that make sense I blacked out there. <laughs> that
3: makes that makes so much sense. I, like, I am so, going like, to honor my promise of letting you, you have you're, the last you're word. you
1: I, I don't need the last word. I there's, just this is, and I'm I'm really eager to see what yeah. Connor has to say. Like just, but just like I believe, I want to believe in the government, and like, and as someone who is Gross. a is a, is a is a is an American citizen, a part of me has to believe in it.
3: I also am an American citizen, that, and I would right, say, right, you don't, right,
1: like, <laughs> but like, but. And again, like, and I know this isn't everyone's perspective and I don't need, I don't need this to be everyone's perspective. I would like it to be everyone's perspective, but like, I don't need it to be like, I do adhere to a higher calling. I do believe that God will have the final word. And, and like, so like when things don't go my way, I get frustrated. I get pissed off. I get, I get, I get sad. I get emotional. And I, I think about my daughter. I think about my wife. I think about my parents. But in that, in but in that final, or in in those moments, I go, this isn't in my in my belief. This isn't the end, and this whatever we have manipulated, whatever we have constructed, whatever we have built, is smaller than what I can even imagine is happening beyond me.
3: Absolutely. So, like, I would absolutely agree with that. yeah. So, like,
1: I that's I, yeah. This okay. I, I'm going to end there. I'll, sure. st- I'll stop there.
3: Because you and I could go on this for hours. Right. Connor. I don't, I don't know how to follow this. I, I, I want to hear your thoughts as a as a serviceman. H- how do you feel about the propagandistic side of military entertainment?
2: Honestly, um, I don't think that military movies have that much of an influence over people. I think that if you're going to join the military in any, any aspect right that you were either predisposed to that or you already had that idea in your head and i don't think that a movie is going to change that for you
3: i i it is quantifiable though that recruitment after top gun came out was it's the best for the air force it's ever been
1: well or or, at, or that's Navy st- or
3: whatever branch it was that's it, a
1: statistic to a to a poll that you had no hand in though like like, I don't believe anything that's posted anywhere.
2: And that's also a <laughs> to, very...
1: To, to a truthful fact. So like, okay. so like, that could be a fact somewhere. But like, I would almost agree with... Like, I, I, I mean, agree more but, with Connor. But, like, but qual- I know people who have been in the military okay, so, that so have then, not manipulated by any of that thing. They're just like, yeah, military is what I... Like, from fifth grade, they're well, like, yeah, I'm going to be in the military. Like,
3: what additional explanation could there be then for the spike in recruitment following Top Gun?
1: According to the statistic that you read.
3: According to the statistics of re- recruitment rates before and after Top Gun.
2: Right. I mean, but how do you know those weren't people that were already thinking about it? And then they saw the movie and were like, well, you know what? People that joined for all different reasons, right? And if you look at statistics now, you'll see that recruitment for the military is as, at its lowest point that it's ever been. Yeah. It's hard to get people to join right now. But people join for all different reasons. No, they joined, we're,
3: we're about to have a recession. Your numbers will be great. That's
2: right. Um. <laughs> i'm sorry that's too dark (laughs) people join the military for all different reasons yeah there's people that join because they feel like it's a higher calling and because they want to defend people that can't defend themselves but there's also people that join because they know if they do four years they get free college right right Right? and there's
3: there's people that join because they want to legally kill people
2: exactly that is valid i haven't met a lot of those people but they exist but they exist yeah so i i don't think that just because
3: I like that you didn't say you haven't met none of those people. <laughs> no, I've
2: definitely met some of those people. Yeah. Um, but I don't, I don't want to say that just because Michael Bay makes a movie with the Air Force in it and Josh Duhamel is out there running and gunning and doing stuff that the I mean, Air Force doesn't actually do.
1: The only thing Josh Duhamel made me want to do is do sit-ups. That dude's a stud. And did it? Did
3: it make you do sit-ups?
1: For like a day. Wow. I did. That's did. I did like 10. Yeah. Anyways,
2: I, I just don't think that that's influencing people to yeah. walk into the recruiting station.
1: The movie about Julia Child didn't make me want to go into a kitchen and cook a bruschetta, like what, it, whatever, a, a brisket or whatever. Like, so, like, like, like,
3: you got it, you got it, stuck it, in the bees of your for, recipe for book. the <laughs> for,
1: for the people that and I, I say this respectfully for the people that can be manipulated just by a form of entertainment there's a bigger issue there
3: and and, and it's linked below the, the the documentary i i strongly recommend it i'll watch theaters it. of war i'll send it to you jeff i'll watch it if you went and saw top gun when it was in theaters as you left cinema outside of that exit were military recruiters they had their best recruitment in months or years really their numbers spiked.
1: Recruiters were outside of theaters?
3: Yes, for Top Gun uh Top Gun. And I believe they they all they did, theaters? I don't know. I wasn't alive when Top Gun was made.
1: Oh, okay. You're talking the first one. Top okay. Gun.
3: I know that they did it again in select theaters for Top Gun Maverick. So, like I I get that there were probably people already intending to enlist. 100%. I I even concede that there were people predisposed to enlisting and this motivated them too. But it that's, could
1: be the linchpin.
3: If you have a spike and then it returns to normal, there needs to be an explanation for the spike. And if you say, this movie only motivated what already existed, fine. I'm open to that interpretation. But you need to explain what caused that preexistent motivation prior to the movie. I think that these movies are very, very effective propaganda. The things that we see in like, Top Gun, for example are way more lighthearted, way more like hero's story.
1: Way more volleyball.
3: Way more sexy volleyball, as Jeff said. Uh, Jeff really drove home the sexy point there. (sighs) Um, Did I? Like, Top Gun's a very different feel from this movie. If you watch this movie... It did
1: make... I've seen the first Top Gun. It did make some of the aspects of that lifestyle attractive. But never once did I go, Man. Like yeah, okay, I'm only one person, but like I would I would have had to have thought about military before going into that movie for me to leave that theater and go okay I'm gonna do it. Sure, I'm gonna sure. I, uh, That could not have been the initial thought for them. And if it was, absolutely. I, w- I want to see the rate of how many of those people stayed within, like commit. Like, oh, what was like, the wash rate like, of those people? Right, like how many yeah. of those people were able to make it through? Basic. That's a great
3: question. That's right. a great question because my point isn't that these are people that never would have considered it before and then enlisted. My point is that there's people that, like Ross and Connor, both considered enlisting. Only mm-hmm. Connor did.
1: So Connor watched Connor, Yes. <laughs> Act of Valor. Actually, had
3: there been well, I've a seen that one. Yes. Had there been a Top Gun equivalent for our generation, would Ross have enlisted? Maybe. We don't know because it can't counterfactual. Right. But my point is, like, th- there's a lot of people that consider it and choose not to for whatever reason. And then a movie like Top Gun, which is tax funded which I have an issue with bringing people in the military like I have an issue with that like well, let me ask you this Carter do you disagree that it's propaganda
2: no okay but there's I think there's military propaganda everywhere
1: everything on a screen is propaganda
2: there's TikToks that are propaganda for people to join the military
3: that's
1: true i work for the coffee industry and i would say some of the publicity i see is propaganda so like like yeah, everything like everything has an aspect of propaganda to it i would agree yeah. with that 100% and, and all I, marketing is I never. believe in the power of marketing I'm not saying it can't have an influence I'm just saying like it can't be the catalyst if it is I, I agree with that Yeah, if I it, don't if, know if that it I is, agree
3: with that but I think it's a fair point
1: here's the thing like the passion of the Christ if we're going back to the religion side of things the passion of the Christ was not a catalyst for people joining the faith
3: I I don't know that that's true
1: I, mean, I, I, I am making an assumption I am making an assumption Yeah, but like it had to have been something that people had... Like, I would assume... Had, again, people aren't going to go watch the and of Christ just for a fun entertainment value. Yeah. So like they're leaving the theater, or they're entering that theater going, I have some faith questions. I'm going to see what this is about. I have some military questions. I may go see what Con Air is about. Or... Not Con Air. That's a different movie. <laughs> Air movie. Yeah, that... Hey, that top uh, Gun. There that we go. classic military movie, <laughs> Con, Con Air. air. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it so is like... There is power in media but i i would if if media is the linchpin in any decision you're making, I would second guess and question the 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 strongholds you have in your own personal choice making
3: fair, but you are giving too much credit to the um to the logical steps involved there uh effective of marketing okay. is subconscious
1: yeah okay yeah okay yeah. yeah.
3: Um, I I didn't mention it when earlier when I was reading through the different uh, snippets that were uh, love snippets to me evidence that the state replaces Christ and God. I've got a couple more here that I just want to go, go through real quick. Okay. Joel Sargent says, "Private Pile, you are definitely born again." Hard hell, I may even allow you to serve as a rifleman in my beloved corps. Now, that's very specifically borrowing terms from Christian culture. Born
1: again, yes
3: yeah uh then later we have and this is in the second half of the movie uh I don't know what his rank is, Connor maybe you can provide some context here when the media correspondents in the military arrive at the bunker where the bodies are covered in lime, mm-hmm. and the man come uh, I don't know what his rank is comes to talk to them. do you know what his rank is? the second guy that they talk to? I don't know okay well, he says. And this line...
1: He definitely has a rank. He has some rank, at least private.
3: Yeah. Um, This line is very funny to me, but also very emblematic of the moral friction that Christians in the military will experience. Mm -hmm. All I've ever asked my men is to obey my orders as they would the word of God.
2: (laughs) Oh, that's a colonel.
3: He's a colonel? Mm -hmm. That line for me is like, man, it hits me like, A ton of bricks.
1: It's it's powerful. I mean, because like he's inciting the power that people that adhere to that, like that know the power of withholding that. Like, I mean, whether that colonel no adheres to that specifically personally, but like,
3: I don't think he would invoke it unless he did.
1: That's not true. I can I can talk football with someone not knowing any football stats, I don't have to adhere to a sports lifestyle I, I know, but I'm to saying use that
3: in communication. The term, obey it as they would the word of God, that has context to it that I don't think secular people are going to use.
1: Right, but secular people know what that means.
3: I know, but it's not in their cultural lexicon. It's not in their shorthand. Right. That That's what I'm saying.
1: Okay, okay, okay.
3: Connor, your
2: thoughts? I have none <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, and and that's really all I have left as far as like insight for this movie okay. uh, if you guys have things you want to bring out, I know Connie, you took a lot of notes here I
2: did um my main thing is just that the duality of man thing, yeah, that it's big g- in this movie i I don't think it is you really I don't think the duality of man is as big as people think it is it's in this it's movie. there, it's there you're not
1: thinking it you, you you're saying it's not. The
2: I think people focus on it too much because of that interaction with the colonel, where he asks him why he's wearing the peace yeah, pin, yeah. but he's also got "born to kill" on his head. Right, and so
3: you think it's a red herring?
2: Not necessarily a red herring. I think that there's things in this movie that allude to the duality of man, but I don't think it's the overarching theme. Yeah, because Joker replies to the colonel saying that it's a duality of man reference referencing Jungian philosophy. And people, I think people focus too much on that. So Carl Jung was a philosopher who believed that all people are inherently bad and that the only reason people are good is because they choose to be, but they're born bad people. Nietzsche had the same philosophies.
3: And John Calvin.
2: I don't believe that. I personally believe more Closer to, I think you talked about it in your Spirited Away podcast. The uh, I don't remember what his name is. The guy who wrote the *The Gulag Archipelago. Yeah,
3: Alexander Solzhenitsyn.
2: Him.
1: Spell that. <laughs> no.
2: <laughs> he, in that that book, or whatever you want to call it, because it's huge.
1: It's a compendium of knowledge. Um, sure, sure is. <laughs>
2: he posits that people are, they have this line in their heart where there's good and evil in everyone, and they they get that choice, right? They have the fight for whatever they believe in. Mm-hmm. And I've, I fall more into that. And so I don't believe that this movie is showing that these people lost all humanity and are now on the bad side of things where they're they're only committing evil acts because somebody told them to. I look at it more as they took away all of their individuality. And the scene that really hammers that home is the very last one where they shoot the sniper and then Joker has to decide whether or not he's going to listen to Animal Mother and let him, or let her suffer and die, or put her out of her misery. Right. And at the end of that, he shoots her, and then they march off singing the Mickey Mouse, Am M-I-C- I? Uh, yeah, K-U-I- song, which um, they didn't face
1: M-O-U-S-C.
3: legal uh, repercussions for, even though they weren't uh, published by Disney.
2: I didn't know that, but I look at that more as him losing. The last bit of innocence that he had, which is why you're following Joker throughout the movie. It's why he's the protagonist, right? Because in the boot camp scenes, they allow him to maintain a bit of his individuality, whereas the rest of them are all losing that to become part of the big machine. And he gets to maintain a little bit of that as the Joker, as the person who's willing to stand up to the drill instructor. And then at the very end, when he shoots that Vietnamese soldier, he loses all of his innocence and becomes part of the larger group, which is why you see him at the end singing the song that the rest of them are singing as they march. So I don't look at it as the duality of man. It's more the loss of innocence.
1: This this, him becoming a singularity, right? Yeah.
2: He's, he's finally conforming to the rest Hmm. of the group.
1: Wow. I wouldn't, I wouldn't disagree with that from specifically the perspective of the Joker. Yeah, man. Kubrick has redeemed himself. Yeah, hundred percent.
2: Anything else? I think that's pretty much it, Connor. You and I
3: both read the things they carried in high school. Jeff, did you read that book?
1: I'm I don't even know that title. I'm looking it up right now though because I'm I'm going to
3: read it. Connor, do you remember it? The things they
2: I remember aspects of it. Tim
1: O'Brien.
3: That's right. So uh, it is unclear whether or not this book was a compilation of first-hand experiences, stories told to him, or complete fiction. And that's on purpose. Mm. But it is a series of short stories about the Vietnam War. And one of the lines in this movie that we never really discussed, but we touched on right before recording, one of the lines of the book that recurs with the movie, I should say, is don't send men to war and expect them to come back speaking. Uh expect them not to, to curse is effectively the line. Mm. Um you send these these men off to to the war to witness and contribute to mass slaughter don't be shocked that they use strong language i'm segueing into our, our our final closing questions here uh the strong language in this movie i think is is entirely appropriate given the context
1: it didn't I, seem out of place it didn't
3: seem out of place from I do,
1: my I, zero in personal I, experience in military yeah.
3: i don't think you could make this movie and have it be pg-13 it has to be rated r right. now as a rated r movie this is uh, undoubtedly less graphic than other cubic movies that i've seen uh the other cubic movie i've seen
1: uh, it's less sexually graphic i would say it's more bloody
3: yeah, there's, there's and the language is certainly stronger. There's than more clockwork casualties too. in this movie.
1: I mean, not even the war aspect, but just the, the suicide aspect. The, well, specifically the suicide aspect in that that they show it. So I, I would say that's more graphic than Clockwork. Clockwork was sexually graphic. I mean, like sexually graphic. Yeah,
3: the, the language was cleaner in the Clockwork Orange than it was in this.
1: The language was cleaner in Clockwork Orange. Yeah, yeah, correct, correct, yes.
3: The the language in this movie, while shocking, I found to be com- almost pedestrian. Like, yeah. very quickly, becomes like, oh, this is just what the movie's going to be. Like, it, it it loses its shock value almost immediately.
1: It, it it's become a stereotype. Like, I've seen I'm, I'm going to list just a couple. I've seen the Hurt Locker, Jarhead. Um, the one other one was mentioned not too long ago. Um, Iron Man. No, not Iron Man.
2: Transformers. Um, No, stop it. Act of Valor.
1: Act of Valor. I've seen that one. That was close. Um, There's some other military movies I've seen that depict pre-battle conversation between a sergeant and the soldiers. Avatar. (laughs) Nailed it. Yeah. Like it's like yeah. There was nothing in this movie outside of some of the Kubrick directed scenes that evoke specific emotions or like like the military depictions. None of that was surprising.
3: It felt authentic.
1: It, yeah, absolutely. The language, the the dialogue, there was nothing in it. I'm like, man, that, it was unsettling, but not unauth- authentic to, from what I know.
3: Connor, to your experience in the military, w- was the dialogue in this movie authentic?
2: Absolutely. We swear all the time. Yeah. It's almost unheard of to hear a sentence that's spoken to you without at least one or two do, F-bombs dropped.
1: Are... Go ahead, sir.
3: Well, I was going to say, are people of religious convictions within the military, do th- is their language any cleaner?
1: That's what my question was. Not really. Okay. No. I
2: um, mean, I'm
3: a I'm a potty mouth, so.
2: Yeah, I, w- I would say not really. It's just kind of. Part of the culture. Yeah, you accept immediately. It, like you get to basic training and your drill sergeants are swearing at you and just kind of what you, you get used to.
1: Do you ever have interactions with your drill sergeants outside okay so i'm specifically the boot camp session I, like we see the those interactions with pile and joker and and gunny sergeant hartman but then like does that relation ever change relationship ever change outside of boot or basic like do you ever become buddies or like like is there ever, is there ever the ability to become equals with them with the drill sergeant with the drill sergeant like like and and, and it's never it's it's is it is it always just yelling? Or is there ever that moment where it's like, Okay, hey, we're let's let's talk natural talk.
2: Well, for like, the most part, you never see them again after okay. that experience is okay. over. Because you're I, there for ten weeks and then that's it. You move on. Okay. And they go off they they do their time as their drill the drill sergeant or the drill instructor okay. or whatever. So and then they go off to their unit and you, you usually won't see them again. The only experience that I've had with that was my senior drill sergeant for AIT, which is the training you go to after basic to learn your job. Uh, He came to Fort Bragg and during COVID, because I'm a medic, I was tasked out with vaccinating people Mm -hmm. because the army forced vaccinations. That's a different topic. But uh, part three of the podcast, he had to he had to come in and get vaccinated. And I had I vaccinated him and he didn't even recognize me. They go through so many people like because they do so many different cycles of basic training and ait that they don't remember you you might remember them but they don't remember
1: you and, and i guess the reason for asking is like like you see you see that character of Gun, of gunny sergeant like and like it's so vibrant and colorful and 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 like it's hard to see him just talking in a plain voice going hey how was your day today you know like like and then like, i mean it's, it's it's funny but like but there's also that like, co- like i want to say just the word colorful like it's just like to to see them talk in any other manner, you're like, okay, now something's off. <laughs> like you're broken. Like like like, so like just I just didn't know like if, if if it but it does make sense because you do go somewhere else. Like so do your relationship with your upper officers it's not that same type of yelling no, no, no. Right? Okay. okay. That, it's, that's it's more of a
2: that's a training environment type okay, of thing. Okay. okay um okay. that's okay. specifically basic training or okay. boot camp you're in that environment. They're trying to break you down. They're trying to remove all aspects of civilian life right. to try and build you up as a soldier, Marine, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, once you've graduated from that and you're officially part of the system for back mm-hmm. of a, lack of a better term, not that okay. every now and then, like if you get in trouble or something, like you do something stupid, you're going to get yelled at. Right. You might get what we call smoked, which is where they make you do some sort of physical exercise like push-ups. Um, as a form of corrective training, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the the senior NCOs that I deal with and the officers that I deal with were—it's just like a normal conversation. I'll walk in and be like, okay. "Hey, how was your weekend?" You know, like just a normal work environment.
1: Cool. That's yeah, I, yeah. It's I—it's so foreign to me. So I just I'm I'm so intrigued by that. Okay. You want to do yeah. wrap up questions? Yeah. I I mean I've 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 expressed all my <laughs> thoughts on this movie. Um, this has been great. Yeah. I've, so. Anything else before I get to these final questions?
3: Connor, it has been an absolute pleasure this to isn't, have you on. I, I hope
2: I, I didn't take up too much of your time here.
1: I, honestly, <laughs> you can have more of it, Connor, if you'd like. I, <laughs> I've I, I've enjoyed this.
3: I want to have you on again for another military movie. There's
1: more. Saving Private Ryan. There's so many. There, there, deb- there's there's more. There's more. And I've actually, I've never seen Saving
2: Private Ryan. Real. Me either. I've not. You guys have never I, seen. I. That I, That's a movie where guys that went through D-Day said that they had such a visceral reaction to it because it was so accurate to what they had to deal with. Mm. Like the opening scene of that movie is just insane. I,
1: I'm familiar with it and I know my parents have watched it and I know I've like would come down from my bedroom and it would be all like but, like I've never watched it front to back. Like I'm I'm familiar with it but I've I've not seen it. Yeah. And I so I know it says on the top V and there's there's other milit- 1917s on the milit- on the top 250. Yeah.
3: I love that movie. Um
1: that one, I've seen that one. So that one cinematically that one's beautiful. Yeah. Like I, I I could watch that one again for cinematic purposes. For sure. I don't think I could watch Full Metal Jacket again. I was not in I was not entertained by Full Metal Jacket. I was educated.
3: There was a lot of very Metal. Kubrickian shots in this movie. Right.
1: So okay. So let let's wrap up with these questions. Yeah. Um, um okay. So would you guys recommend this movie?
3: I would recommend this movie to anybody considering enlisting in the military. Okay. Especially any Christians considering enlisting.
1: Okay.
2: I would recommend the movie, uh at least as as a first time viewer. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a movie that necessarily requires a rewatch. Right. Um, but that's how I feel about most Kubrick. Cooper- Kubrick movies. Yeah. I don't. I think he's overrated. Like I said before. Yeah. So it's it's not entertaining to me, which is right. the reason why I watch a movie. Right. But I think there are certain educational aspects that, like you said, for someone yeah. who might want to join the military, watch it, see if that's something that, from from my perspective, see if it's something that you think you could handle. Right. I know you. Have a different perspective on why they should watch the movie.
3: That's right. It has nothing to do with <laughs> handle. I am convinced that anybody can handle this. I'm unconvinced that anybody should.
1: <laughs> no, I yeah. For me, like this felt more like a documentary or or a, docu drama. Right. Like like which and in that and in, for that reason, I'd say yeah, it's worth one watch. Um, whether you're considering military or not, like I, I would never consider myself a history buff. But like, I enjoy learning about currently specifically American history. Like I haven't, I've not ventured out past our borders on history. I, I look to, but like, I enjoy learning about history and stuff. And so for me, like, again, it was, it was a movie, but like there's aspects in it. like, and again, through our conversation, like I'm intrigued in what was, what was depicted as factual? What was, what can I perceive as authentic Depictations or what was Interpretations but like that's what intrigues Me and that's the same re- it's the same reason I watch Documentaries So like I wouldn't watch this again Just because emotionally like it was heavy Whereas a documentary they kind of keep It neutral and monotone And you, you, it's easier to be not attached To a documentary as it, like this movie Had a, I was attached to this movie I was attached To pile I had emotional Investment in this movie whereas It, it was documentaries I'm I'm more Watching from afar if that makes sense. So I wouldn't watch this one again, just because like I was emotionally invested in this, but I think it's worth at least one watch just, just for academic and American history purposes, just to get a glimpse of what some people experienced biases in, 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 in political views aside, it's a glimpse of what people actually went through. Yeah. It's a glimpse, you know? Um, okay. I think we, we already talked about the next question. Would you guys change the rating? Absolutely not or I,
3: there's I, I, not only that, like I think it needed to be rated R.
1: Right. Right. I, it, it's hard. I, it'd be hard to show authentically. Yeah. And it'd be G PG PG 13 to get a great, a, a glimpse of it. Yeah. It'd have to be rated R. They're minimal sexual. Um, if we're talking about just the, the, the content for a second, violent, very violent, um, suicide depicted, murder depicted, warfare depicted. um, there's talks of prostitution. There's shown acts of prostitution, but never. There's no nudity. Um, there's
3: there's a poster of a nude
1: woman. I back. didn't even catch that. Yeah, okay. they they
2: did film a sex scene with Joker and one of the prostitutes. And did they? Kubrick cut it.
1: Well, that makes sense for Kubrick. Uh, not the cutting part, but the filming of.
3: Oh yeah, um, yeah. That was for uh, his own personal stash. Yeah, yeah. It's it's for his director's cut. <laughs> personal collection.
1: Um, but um, but yeah, sexually. It's all implications. It's all dialogue. Yeah, but violence and language—it's definitely explicit and graphic, and and depictions of just death. But you know, corpses. You know, there, there's vomiting. There's there's stuff like that. So like there's 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 maliciousness. You know, so just stuff like that. So yeah, it definitely rated R.
3: Rated R for vomiting. For vomiting.
1: Yeah, yeah, specifically vomiting. Um, that was the hardest part for me. <laughs> <laughs> Puking. I have a weak um, stomach. All right, all right. Last two questions here. Has it aged well? I think it's nineteen eighty seven.
3: It's aged very well. It's not really a period piece because it wasn't too long after World War, uh, Vietnam War. That I
1: mean, twenty years though. There's twenty. There's a twenty year gap. No, I, been, I, I in, mean, in filming production had advanced significantly in those twenty years. What,
3: what I mean is, the movie was produced not long after the events took place. Right. right. So it's not really a period piece. Yes. Right. I think, despite that, it's aged very well.
1: There was nothing about this movie that I'm like, man, I wish they would redo this. Like I would agree it's aged well. It's kept its integrity.
3: I think some of the yeah. blood effects are pretty cheesy, <laughs> but yeah. like Scorsese's done worse in modern movies. Right. So Right. And Tarantino as well.
1: Yeah. I'd agree. Okay. All right. Last question here. Um, and we'll wrap this up here. Would this be in your top two fifty? Uh
3: I think so. I like this a whole lot more than the Clockwork Orange. A hundred percent. Um and I think that there's a lot of value in this movie. I think it's a really interesting movie. I agree with Connor that the second half of the movie is less captivating than the first half, but I think that there's a lot of really interesting meat to this movie. And I, I mean, we 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 talked for three hours, and I feel like scratched the surface. Like we could go on for another three. Yeah,
1: with with a Clockwork Orange, and I know we've 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 bagged on that movie a lot in the last every episode. Yeah, there are substantial conversation topics in that movie that are worth talking about that are worth discussing There is some value in that movie But for me the way it was depicted Is why I don't like it because I feel like you can talk about those things But depict them differently With this movie. It's hard to talk about warfare. It's hard to talk about military. It's hard to talk about interceding with other countries and not show it the way it actually was portrayed. I wouldn't change anything with the way a movie was. That doesn't mean I was entertained by it. I was educated by it, but I wasn't entertained by it. Like to the point where like, oh yeah, it was a great movie. I loved it. It was I was it brought me joy. Like this movie did not bring me joy, but I learned something from it. I feel like this movie did everything correctly versus Clockwork Orange. I feel like you could you could bring up those conversations in a different way and not be sexually explicit and show the things that they showed, you can achieve those conversations in different ways. So Stanley won with this movie. I think he lost with Clockwork Orange. And I I think this would make my top two fifty. I don't know if I'd watch it again, but it would be one that I'd be say I would say, yeah, you should watch this. And it would be one I would talk about again in future conversations. Connor?
2: I think personally this movie would not be in my top two fifty. Okay. Um Solely for the reason that I watch movies to be entertained, right? And I wasn't entertained by this movie. I think it's telling that the only part of this movie that people quote and that they remember is the first half with the boot camp scenes.
3: Not entirely correct. Well, and 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 people quote the first prostitute a lot. Okay, and
2: is
1: this the movie after that? (laughs) Is this the movie where the line? Only steers and queers come from Texas. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because I've and heard you don't that they look much like uh, a cow. I've heard I will that in many places. I didn't know if this was the origin of it or if this they were also reusing something. Okay. Yes. Because I've no. heard that before.
3: So the guy playing the drill sergeant. Yes. He's drawing that from actual drill sergeant jokes.
1: Okay. So that line, well, and,
2: line... and actually Arlie Ermy ad libbed most of his scenes in that. That's right. It. That I first part of yeah. the movie, and it's like the only time that Kubrick has allowed somebody to ad lib.
1: So that that phrase predates the movie. Yes. The, the but it only po- but the movie popularized okay. it for people okay. outside the military because okay. that's been reused before. And I and I was like, for oh. sure. and I was I did not know that's where this originated from. Yeah. Cinematically.
2: But um, yeah, no. For me personally, probably wouldn't be in my top two fifty. But I I don't think that it's. In value, or that it's it doesn't have value. Right. Sure. Sure. Right.
3: Right. The metric of would you put this in your top two fifty is so it's almost useless because like it means nothing, and that's why we do it. And that's that's why we. That's
1: That's why we do it. Yeah. It's
3: Connor on a binary scale of best movie ever, worst movie ever. Three
1: point (laughs) four. To be even broader.
3: Uh. To wrap up here, Connor. Again, I know we we said it recently, but. I was so glad that you were able to come on and that this was awesome that you were willing to do a military movie with us mm. I hope to have you again on uh, for another military movie mm. or another movie of your choice um, I know that uh, you, you're going to be soon off to Colorado, Colorado so it's gonna be a bit but next time you're in town I'd love to have you on again I'll yeah.
2: definitely be back. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah,
1: this this is great been, episode. This was this was incredible. Yeah,
3: if um, you measure our episodes by length, this is our greatest episode. Greatest yet. episode. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take that as a compliment. This is
1: probably be our biggest. Feat. I measure everything by length. <laughs> yes. come up wanting um this is this has been incredible i've enjoyed this episode it may or may not be a two-parter and i'm i'm gonna be the one because i'm always the one um whether in this podcast or just in my life but i am i am the cheesy guy that will say thank you connor whether you want to hear it or not thank you for what you do um and just thank you for your for what you added this to this podcast like this your perspective is something we've not had yet in our short span of a of a podcast but like it's valuable i wish you great luck in in, in your venture to colorado and just um in what you will be doing there and i i am grateful for what you do yeah so that's all i have oh well, thank um, so you thank you yes like
2: i said uh thanks for letting me come on here absolutely yeah
3: all right in 2 weeks we'll be back with board approval a local band we're going to go over the movie jaws
1: Ah yes. The shark movie. The shark movie. <laughs>
3: Got eyes like a dog's eyes. It's the only oh, line I moved nothing man. for the movie. So yes, join us in a couple weeks for Jaws. Uh thank you again, Connor. Yes. Uh look forward to having you again in the future.
1: And last but not least, we don't say this every episode, but if you enjoy this podcast, um if this if we if we have any value to your ears Share us with someone. Um, let someone else know that you listen to us. Um, we we want to continue doing this, and we can only continue doing this by having listeners. Um, that's what makes it worth it.
3: And we've said this several times uh, with with not a whole lot of engagement, but you know, uh, Jeff and I are available on on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. Uh, if you have your own opinions of these movies, and we assume that you do, we want to hear them. Uh, you don't have to wait like connor to be invited onto the show to share your opinions on why we're wrong you can tell us why we're wrong right now we
1: want to be the the start the start of a discussion we don't want it to end with this episode ending we want to spark people being inquisitive about what they're watching what they're putting before their eyes and in their mind so that's right
3: and since i let jeff had the last word on a handful of things if you are also an anarcho-capitalist please chime in to tell jeff why he's wrong
1: yes please (laughs) i need you
3: all right that's it for us thank you so much we'll see you in a couple weeks
1: thanks for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did
3: if you found value in what we discussed today please consider leaving us a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode
1: if you have any feedback or suggestions we'd love to hear from you
3: that's right tell us why we're wrong
1: If you want even more content and ways to engage with us and each other, check out our Patreon page.
3: By supporting us there, you'll get access to exclusive bonus content and help us continue to create high-quality episodes, as well as help pay for our future plans. Links to our social
0: media, merchandise, and Patreon are in the show notes.